Give me a go, no go for launch. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was gonna say something that was not true. I, I don't know why we do these. Let's make film history. We are go for launch. Welcome back, everybody, to the Almost Sideways podcast. We are so glad you are joining us for a very special episode. This is episode 100. We have reached the century mark, and we are doing something really special for, for this one. Um, something we never really knew if we were going to be able to do, but we've decided to pull it out as our special celebration here. I am your host, Terry Plucknett. Joining me, as always, Todd Plucknett, Zach Saltz. Uh, Zach, can you believe we've done a hundred of these? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, well, we were like barely at 50, like this year, right? And so I, I think the MVP of this podcast is COVID without which we wouldn't be recording at this frenetic pace. Yeah. Well, I mean, for, we started this podcast in August of 2017 and for a long time, it was every other week that we were doing it. And then we would, over the summer, we'd go to every week simply because, you know, we had summer. And, uh, and yeah, COVID has kind of been like, you know what, let's just, let's just keep, keep doing it. And, and I have to say, you know, the, the, the kind of a serious part is we're, we're going to get into a whole bunch of shenanigans later on. Um, this, this podcast, I've, I've loved doing this podcast. We have never really had a huge following. We don't really have a huge audience and I don't really care. Uh, it forces the three of us to, to get together once a week and do something, uh, do a couple things we, we love doing. And that is enjoy a drink together and talk movies. And, uh, if this podcast was the excuse we needed to make sure that we did that on a regular basis, then it was all worth it, whether anybody listens to it or not. So, so cheers to you guys. Episode 100. Well done. Well, you kind of you kind of ru ruined our bit there, Terry. It, we were uh, we were supposed to pop our corks when you asked us what we were drinking. So I didn't I don't know think that. We were ready for that. I didn't. No one. No one sent me that memo. Oh, I just thought it'd be that, fun. The... They probably didn't de-stem. <laughs> I was going to pull it out with my teeth like Miles does when he runs into the field. <laughs> so, yes, we... You are a bad girl, Stephanie. We, I know, we I need are, to be spanked. As you can already tell, we're, we're deep diving sideways. One half of our, uh, of our namesake, of our, of our website, of our podcast. Um, and, uh, and for that, we are all drinking something very special. So, Zach, what are you drinking? I am drinking a 100% Pinot Noir from the Santa Inez Valley. This is called Red Tree, and it's the closest thing that I could get to um, Sideways because it has a tree on the cover, which is also what uh, Jack runs Miles' car into. But it's not a red tree. It is a red car, though. So Well, now there is a part of that tree. he misses the tree, too. There is a part of that tree that's now red. That's true. <laughs> Cut me some slack. I tried. Uh, Todd, what do you got? I have uh, from Sonoma County Winery, the Fend and Foster Vintners uh, from 2016, 100% Pinot Noir, and had the coolest bottle, 
and it's the right area, and I just decided, yeah, that's the one. Nice, nice. We're checking for density here. <laughs> what are you drinking out of, dude? You couldn't even get a wine glass? Oh, yeah, I don't have a wine glass. I'm drinking out of, actually, it's a it's like a sampler beer thing from Seven Seas Brewery. You're chewing gum. Um... <laughs> At least it's glass. I mean, I was thinking about getting a styrofoam yes, cup that's what you should and done. drinking it out of... Uh, but. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, so I have... This is a 2017 Pinot Noir out of uh, D.H. Elliott Winery in California. Let's see here. It's in Acampo, California. And it actually was one I actually had on my shelf already. We, we, uh, we were going to... Crack it open like a week ago and was like, no, wait, sideways is coming up and I got to drink Pinot. So, uh, so we saved it for today. So there you go. I take it none of us have a reach board in our s cellar. No, no. Miles would okay. not be impressed with us. You have overestimated yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, before we get into we're going to be spending a lot of time. Yeah, as you can already yeah, what's tell, the, geeking out what's over What's the over-under on sideways dialogue in, in this podcast? I'm going to say 14,000. <laughs> what, words? Lines. Minutes. Minutes. <laughs> uh, well, well let's, let's just let's get going so we can get to, get to the fun stuff. Uh, let's go to uh, Zach first. Zach, what have you been watching this week? So um, I watched a, a documentary that was made in Canada in the early 2000s uh, from 2003, dire directed by Alan King, and the documentary is called Dying at Grace. Um, this comes from an Eclipse set that Criterion put out a few years ago that I actually randomly bought and have never gotten around to, but um, now I'm really intrigued by the filmmaker Alan King, who made these kind of cinema verite documentaries, sort of in the same vein as D.A. Pennybacker and um, maybe uh, Ricky Leacock, and a few other people. Um, this is very much a sort of like fly on the wall documentary that takes place in a terminally ill uh, cancer ward of a hospital in Toronto. And basically what Alan King says about this movie is that it's an attempt um, to kind of get past the taboos behind death and dying. And so he was able to um, get uh, the permission and the consent of five elderly patients who are basically dying and recording their last uh, days and weeks in this uh, ward of the hospital. Um, there's no narration, there's no subtitles, there's, there's no even real interviews in the movie. It's really just kind of just a portrait of, um, of, of the, the pain in many ways, but also the kind of um, reconciling that a lot of these people have to do um, as they approach their deaths. And all of them do die. And it's a pretty sobering movie. Uh, it's probably one of the toughest movies I've ever had to watch. And, you know, I, I like it. It's one of those movies where it's like it's hard to recommend because it's certainly not something that you'd want to watch and have a glass of wine and enjoy on a Saturday night. Um, but what I think it does is like, again, it takes this, some, this thing that's very much shrouded in taboo and mystery in our culture and makes it i think a little bit more tangible but also uh, maybe less frightening in a way um it so um again the i i, I don't I, there's not too much to say about the movie except that it, it was two and a half hours and it was riveting every every second of it yeah, which is always a, a testament to great documentaries alan king um ha has made documentaries on a variety of subjects uh he did uh, a documentary about um uh, divorcing a 
family uh, couple in the early 70s. He did uh, another documentary about uh, systemic racism in Canada. He's kind of all over the map. He died in 2009, but he says that he made this movie as he was getting older and was interested in the topic of death. And uh, if you are too, like maybe Miles is, uh, this is a, a really powerful movie. It's a four-star movie, one of the best documentaries, I think, of the 2000s. Wow. All right. All right. Way to bring a downer on the party, man. I know. These girls just want to party. We're, I'm sorry. They want to party, I need, man. I took, took too much of my Xanax and Laxapro. <laughs> so the movie's about death and mortality or something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not really. <laughs> All right, Todd. Todd, what, uh, what Nick Cage movie uh, did you watch? My movie, my... It was uh, a movie that I'm pretty sure has been seen by some people on our website. It is from 2007, the Lee Tamahori movie Next. Mm. And Nicolas Cage plays Chris Johnson, who is a man who has the ability to see the future two minutes ahead. Uh, so he parlays that into like having a Vegas sideshow, and he gambles with it, and he like prevents crime seemingly for fun. Uh, but his talent or gift uh, attracts the attention of the FBI, who are trying to prevent a terrorist group from detonating a nuclear weapon on Los Angeles for reasons that are never explained. Uh, but he goes on the run because he likes to keep a low profile. He falls for this girl, played by Jessica Biel. And, uh, but he's forced deeper into the situation when the terrorists actually start uh, tracking him down because they know that the FBI thinks that he is the key to stopping them and against all odds it's actually the first movie i've reviewed of nicholas cage that he plays a magician because you would think that would have popped up at some point he was a sorcerer but not a magician uh the movie has like this like dizzying christopher nolan-esque concept like you kind of have to shut off your brain because you'll constantly have questions about the logic of it but uh and it doesn't ever completely add up and like i said it means it's a lot like a nolan movie like a pre-nolan uh, mind trip it's movie. like Nolan uh, for dummies really though I mean it it's it, it's confusing yeah. but uh, not smart <laughs> oh yeah well Interstellar wasn't smart either this is actually a lot yeah, that's a valid uh, point um it, it's got a really cool cast like Peter Falk is in there for some reason and we got Julianne Moore and Jason Butler Harner playing FBI agents again which is fun to see and but Nick Cage is like in full action movie like movie star hero mode in this like it's memphis reigns in terms of like likability and like the the ease of his appeal and he just i mean he owns the screen and uh the movie tries to be like minority report kind of uh but it's more like a more complicated version of total recall and a couple of the writers actually worked on the total recalls uh remake i believe uh it's got a really cool finish it's kind of dumber than it thinks it is and it was like begging for a sequel that never happened it would have been interesting to see if that what, what that would have looked like. Uh, I'm giving it two and a half stars, and I have it ranked number 48 of Nicolas Cage's movies, which puts it right between Vengeance, the Love Story, and National Treasure. All right. Yeah. So you, uh, it's, you've seen that one, right, Terry? Yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, I was actually looking that up right now. Of, of uh, Let's see here. I actually have, have documented when I saw it. Yeah, I saw it in 2013, so it's been a while, uh, and I I gave it one and a half stars when I saw it. All I remember is the premise sounded awesome, and the movie did everything to disappoint. 
<laughs> and, and make sure that what sounded cool about the premise didn't come true. So, I could see that. Yeah. It could have been a lot, but like you said, it, it kind of wanted to be Minority Report and just fell so far short. <clears throat> All right. Uh, for me, uh, before I get to my anniversary movie, I just want to mention one of the things that uh, we've been watching this week. So I get the, uh, I don't know if you guys get this, but I've signed up for like the weekly newsletter from the Academy. And, uh, and so I get like these Oscar newsletters once a week. And last week, the newsletter had in it, in kind of in honor of uh, Sean Connery, they said, you know, if you're thinking of doing like a, like a Bond marathon or Bond festival in honor of Connery, get ready for No Time to Die, which I think is eventually going to come out at some point, um, th then uh, here's a suggested way of watching them. Because some people, you know, watch them just from start to finish, Dr. No to Spectre, and some people watch them in, in order of like how Ian Fleming wrote them and stuff like that. But this kind of mixed it all up and tried to get some themes together and stuff. So my wife and I were like, sure, let's watch our way through Bond. And so we uh, that's we kind of used that as background noise a lot this week. So we made it through. The first one we watched was Casino Royale, kind of the, the origin of Bond. And it went uh, from there it went to uh, Goldfinger. And then, um, and then it was The Spy Who Loved Me. Then The Living Daylights, which is a very underrated Bond movie. I love that one. And then uh, Goldeneye. So that's what we've gotten through so far on, on that. Is, and uh, there are still a few I haven't watched yet. So like the, the very, very end of the Roger Moore era I didn't watch uh, yet. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to getting to those. Uh, so yeah, that's one of the things I've been watching. But now let's talk about my anniversary movie. All right, it is from 20 years ago. Uh, came out in 2000, was nominated for one acting Oscar, and that was it. Uh, Do you know what it is? One lead acting Oscar. Before Night Falls? Before Night Falls, that's what I watched, yeah. Uh, directed by Julian Schnabel, the one Oscar nominee was Javier Bardem in kind of his big breakout, uh, letting the world know who he was. It is a biopic about the Cuban poet and novelist uh, Rinaldo Arenas, and, uh, and that's who Javier Bardem plays. Uh, Schnabel is a very interesting filmmaker. Um, he... he uh, I think the only other experience I had with him up until this point was uh, The Diving Bell and the Butterfly, which I loved. I thought that movie was brilliant. Um, but I, I knew kind of a little bit of what I was getting into in that his movies are a little more experiential instead of, you know, driving a plot necessarily. Which So as it's going along and you ha hear a lot of Javier Bardem uh, uh, narration, you 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 kind of get the idea that you're gonna have something similar here. Uh, the movie was was pretty good. Uh, it really you're watching it for the Javier Bardem performance. He is outstanding in that movie, um, and uh, and shows the promise he has. I mean, this was his first Oscar nomination. Seven years later, he'd be a winner, um, and so uh, you're really watching it for him. It's got a couple really odd. Strange performances from uh, Sean Penn and Johnny Depp. Who uh, Sean Penn, if you didn't even know he was in the movie, you would have never known he was in the movie. And uh, and Johnny Depp plays two different characters. Bizarrely, I really don't know why. But uh, they show up, and that's about it. 
And uh, but no, I, I'm giving it three stars. It's a solid. Uh, it's a solid movie. It's a. It's a very. Um, aesthetically pleasing movie because it is a Julian Schnabel movie and Javier Bardem is outstanding. So have you guys seen that one? I remember not liking it like at all, but I, it's been a long time. I couldn't really tell you why. Zach, have you seen it? I have not seen oh, it. Oh, okay. Nope. Yeah. It, 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 the, the Sean Penn, like I saw Sean Penn was in it and I actually had to go back and find the scene he was in to actually spot him because he is unrecognizable. But yeah. Anyways, that that's uh that's that's my watch for this week. Okay. Now we're at, now we're through that part. We don't have a featured review this week. One, not nothing huge was uh was coming out, and two, we really just wanted to talk more about sideways. So let's uh let let's start to get into that. Before we get too deeply into that, though, as one last thing to kind of celebrate our uh our hundredth episode. We always do a Mount Rushmore with our deep dives, and we're doing a different kind of Mount Rushmore today. Um, as, as I mean, we talk about, we do a lot of really indulgent things on this podcast, and this is about as indulgent as you get. Uh, we are going to do a Mount Rushmore of our favorite Almost Sideways podcast moments uh, in the first 99 episodes. Um, and Yeah, that's what we're going with. That's what we're doing. This should be fun. This should be fun. Um, before, before we start submitting, do we have a consensus? I, I, I don't... Oh, it, it's gotta be this episode, right? Well, I mean, there is that. I had an idea for a consensus, but Vegas, that's what I was thinking. Uh, Vegas? Vegas needs to be the consensus. <laughs> it was the one episode we actually were all in the same room for. And we were sitting in a hotel room in the middle of Las Vegas, talking about Too the Too bad Oscars. I don't remember any of that. Otherwise, I'd be all for it. And you, you spent half the time reading a novel. That's why, Zach. I also think I beat Todd at 1983 Academy Awards trivia, which I think is the only time I've ever beaten him at Academy Awards trivia. I think you're so right. maybe I just need to get trashed more often. Yeah, that does sound right. Yeah, and I remember that was our that was our uh, like Oscar preview episode too. So, uh, so we were talking about Todd and I were talking about how much we love Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, and uh, oh wow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Zach was talking about how much he loved Adobe Premiere, yeah, and how much I love IUPUI at eight in the morning. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, so that I think we can safely say that's our consensus pick right there. I'm I'm good yeah, with that. Yeah, I like it. Okay, so uh, let's see here. We'll go to Todd first. Todd, what is your submission? On Mount Rushmore of favorite podcast moments. Uh, my uh, my submission goes back to episode twenty six, which was our power rankings of fictional musicians, because that I feel like was a crossroads with our podcast. Because there was a point like in, in that uh, episode where Zach was like, "What are we even doing, <coughs> Zach Mooneyham? This is stupid. Like this is the stupidest list," and. It was the first time that we did not take ourselves completely seriously with our power rankings, uh, and it really changed into what it is now, which is like a battle to see who could be like more obscure or more creative or more nostalgic, and, and not just waiting for our honorable mentions to like bust out the random shit. And uh, it was it was that category was like super indulgent and niche, but since then I feel like our power rankings got even better, and we were our effort level and our uh, and our entertainment level are higher, and. Uh, 
At the end, Zach was like, okay, we're not actually going to put this out on air, right? And Terry's like, oh, no, this list was amazing. <laughs> and It was, yeah, it was great radio. I, 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 I'll, always, I'll always remember that, that, that Power Rankings, because that, that, was, that was some of the most fun that we've had doing this. I had I have uh, I have six things written down. One of them is Vegas, and actually one of them is our fictional musicians de- um, power ranking. So I approve. I approve. Awesome. All right, uh, Zach, what do you have for as your submission? Well, so are are we doing honorable mentions, or should we just say our submission right well, now? Let's let's do submission now, and then we can do honorable mentions. At okay, the end. good. Because I've se- I've several that I would like to bring up. But um, for me, it it was a more recent episode. Um, I like that Todd brought out the, uh, the exact the number. number. I had it just. I had I had it just a second ago. Oh shit! Where where, where was it? I'm sorry. Give me. Uh, it was episode. Uh, oh, I can't read Terry's Roman numerals. <laughs> shit! I'm I'm gonna guess it was seventy six. Maybe what, what's the or ro- what's the Roman numeral? It, it's L X X V I. I don't 76. know Roman 76. numerals. Which which I think also came up in another podcast, but that's not the that's not the moment I'm choosing. Um, the one I'm choosing is our category, our power ranking of best films under a thousand IMDb votes. Oh yeah, which was a dream list. It was also great because I mean it came like right at the time when school had let out and it was in the middle of COVID. So for me, like I just had nothing to do that week, and so I just watched a shit ton of movies under a thousand votes. I literally watched like fifteen of them. Um, including like all the ones that I ended up with on my list. And it was just like an awesome list. Like, you know, Todd saying like Menito and playing for the mob and Van, N- Van Nuys Boulevard. Like now I want to see that shit, you know? And then Terry bringing up Harold and Lillian, which has come up several times in our podcast and Mercury 13. Um, it was just, it, it, it was a great, um, great celebration. And my number one, which was In the Family, is a movie I've thought about a lot since, since I, I watched it. And it's like one of the best movies I've ever seen. So, um, you know, it, it was a, it was a great list, and people should watch more movies under a thousand votes. I can't think of two other people that would that would ever entertain the idea of doing a segment like that. So so thank you guys. All right, so both submissions are categories that Zach chose. <laughs> did, did Zach choose the fictional musicians? I thought you did, Todd. I'm pretty sure that was okay. Um, yeah, yeah that that's a great call. That that was that was a lot of fun to do, and. Uh, and it was a great conversation too, yeah, um, and yeah, we were indulging you, but it was also fun. Okay, all right, I've got. And it took research. It took a lot of research, yeah. It did. Like, who else is going to do that online? That that's the that, that's the kind of shit you can only get here on the Almost Sideways podcast. Exactly. Like and subscribe. Uh, and I remember we said that our like our uh, our goal was that uh, none of those movies qualified for the list after a certain amount of time. Because that people actually went to see them, and so hopefully some people actually went out and saw some of those movies. Yeah, and you told us about that weird sex movie that you saw in a theater by yourself, Terry. I mean, that sounded fun. <laughs> it was like an off-Broadway musical they made into a movie. Yeah, yeah, that was strange. Okay, uh, let's see here. So um, I, I have a couple of things I have written down that just since I'm last, I'll mention some of my honorable mention stuff before I say my submission. Um, my my favorite uh, power ranking, other than the fictional musicians, another one that I just thought was a lot of fun to look at was the power ranking we did of the best picture follow-ups, the the uh, best movies made by a director immediately after they won best picture. I thought that was really cool. 
Um, I had to mention uh, our one missing segment. The only once did an entire segment get left on the cutting room floor, and that was oh, um, that was the hi- highest war performances of Johnny Depp. <laughs> I remember that left that. on. I, I still have it sitting somewhere, so maybe we release like the uh, the lost lost segment. And 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 that was back when we actually cared how long we went. Now we really don't. <laughs> um, okay, so I've got oh, I've got two moments here that I want to mention that I really want to put on here. But um, if we're going just simply moment, the my my submission has to be from uh, episode fifty five. Uh, when we did a power ranking of spin-off movies. And um, in the uh, and one of the things we always do with our power rankings is we always have to try and guess what Adam's list is, and then we reveal what Adam's list is at the end, and he always has some sort of commentary with it. And Adam's number one on his list for best spin-off movie uh, was a movie about the SNL character Stefan, played by Bill Hader. And his description was, and this was the best part, this film would have everything. All the feels of a drama wrapped in an action movie. Amazing scenes like Terry having a fight club moment on Jamie Kennedy. A hypnotic moment with Zach and Peter Simonashek getting drunk on Costco wine trying to convince space monkeys that Hamlet 2 is a direct sequel of Hamlet. A ton of whiskey and Todd sculpting the cast of Boy Meets World out of cheese. That, I don't think I've laughed harder than that on this podcast. That was like, that that was that was the moment right there. So, yeah, I distinctly remember that too. <laughs> uh, yeah, when we were talking about best moments, I'm like, Adam's roast of us has to be on the list. Has to be. So the one other the one other moment I wanted to I was wanting to mention that I was hoping someone else was going to pick is went back to episode 44. This is like the one true honorable mention I have episode 44, which was our first come to the stable review of come to the stable. I mean, it, it was just like, it was a joke. We just did it. Just like, let's, let's watch this random old movie so we can trash on it. And we actually all loved it. Like it, Honestly, episode 55, yeah, we may have gone the last 50 episodes without being thrice approved on any movie. I honestly don't know. But uh, Come to the Stable, we all loved it, and it turned into a recurring segment. And it's the well, perfect... Well, you were going to give it two and a half stars, and then we both gave it a thumbs up, and you're like, okay, fine. Yeah, I did like it more than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but, uh, yeah, and it's the perfect title to have for something like that. It's like, all right, we're going to go watch an old movie, Come to the Stable. I mean, it's, it's like a perfect... Perfect little call out to uh to old film. And let us watch Joe and Popeye, and the I don't even remember uh, the, the tale of the ones. dolphin or what is it? Oh, that's right. Day of the dolphin. That's right. And then uh oh, there was one oh, yes. we watched recently too. Oh, just recently we did a come to the stable on something. What was it? Oh oh uh uh unfaithfully yours. Yes, that was fun. Yeah. I also liked All our right. Come to the Stable on Joe, which I liked and both of you just relentlessly trashed. Yeah, we hated it. 
See that? Okay, so like when I was looking at at this list, I thought about um I I really like when we get in disagreements. And I feel like kind of in the, in the way that Todd was talking about that power ranking where we kind of let loose. I I would think about like I I think about like episode 9, which is when we reviewed three board, billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which we had such a huge disagreement about and I don't know if there's been a larger disagreement about it. I went into that review so thinking that you guys were not going to like it and you must have thought I was going to love it. And we were nowhere close. And I think to this day, that's still the biggest disagreement we've ever had on this podcast about any one movie. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, that... I don't, I don't know. I feel like you say that about every other movie that we talk about, though. Well, but it's never been like a... Like, like Todd, you and I had it like four stars, and Zach had it like one star. That That's rare. That yeah. is rare. Well, bringing that up, like, uh, one of my other ones was the trivial review of Margaret Margaret <laughs> on episode 20, because that was the first real debate I feel like we had on a movie that, like, one of us, would, like, clearly loved it, one of us clearly hated it, and then somebody else had to, the other one had to come in in the middle, or decide, pick a side. That was a really fun debate, I remember. Yeah. And that was, yeah, way back then. The other ones I was thinking about was uh, basically the whole deep dive of Speed yes. with Ben. I was going to watch about that on the too. formerly <laughs> Red and Brown podcast, uh, episode 43. And, uh, of course, episode 88, which was our Uncut Gems deep dive. And specifically, like, the uh, conspiracy theories and uh, flaws segment of that was pretty much as much fun as I've ever had preparing for a podcast <laughs> and actually doing the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one, too. I, I love that we did that celebrating the six-month anniversary of a film. Just because we just wanted to talk about it yes. more. Yeah. 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 I I'm also... trying to remember, there was, a, there was an episode recently, and that was a great one, that, Todd, you, I think you uttered the line, like, the shit being thrown around in this podcast is epic, or something like that. I can't remember which one it was, <laughs> yeah. but that one was a fun one. Whatever it was. <laughs> Zach, go ahead. Yeah, I don't remember what that was what that was for but yeah we just like started out we were just throwing darts at each other it was kind of awesome uh i also really i don't i don't remember which episode this was but um when todd you assigned me deadfall and i watched the wrong deadfall and i didn't i didn't realize that until we were actually recording it live and then i you made me watch the wrong deadfall yeah for the next episode and what's funny is, like, Deadfall ended up being a great movie, and I would also probably say to this day that was maybe the greatest assignment you ever gave me to watch, because I love that movie so much now. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that was supposed to be a, an insult, but I'll, I'll take it as a compliment. Well, at that point, we were kind of assigning movies of, like, oh, I'm going to assign this one. He's going to hate it. <laughs> Yes. In other yeah. words, the um, the uh, oh shit, what was the um, the the Holy Motors uh, type of yeah yeah, uh, yeah assignments yeah. yeah. Todd, Todd assigning me Holy Motors. He knew exactly what my reaction to that was going to be. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which is probably why you hadn't watched it. Yeah. In the seven years leading up to that. Probably. Probably. Uh, okay. Well, that was fun. That's a great, great look down memory lane. We may have to do more of this, like, just, like, nostalgia, look back on the podcast and more. And, more of course, often. we were the first ones to break the news that Andrew Luck had retired. I mean, the world literally responded to our our news that it happened. Breaking news. Yes, we broke it. We broke it live on the podcast did. that didn't get edited and released until three days later. <laughs> 
We did have like a 10 minute conversation about we it. Did. We did. We just mean, paused it, whatever it, we were it, talking about. It was a about. big deal. Uh, I like interrupted you too to be like, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Okay, so we've got Vegas, we've got Adam's Roast of Us, we've got the fictional musicians, and we've got the uh, the power rankings of under a thousand votes on IMDb. That that's I mean do I don't need any more. I, I may change my vote to speed. That was such a great <laughs> podcast because you know, Ben just came out of the gate flying and he never like went down at all. It was just always like at a hundred percent, hundred and ten percent. It was an amazing experience, given how much I love that movie. I, I never knew that someone could possibly be more passionate about it. Not quite as passionate about the opening credit car, uh, title <laughs> looking thing. The clip art <laughs> words that apparently <laughs> have a, a like an erotic reaction. Oh, yes, that. absolutely. Uh, Aphrodisiac. Oh, man. Uh, see, this is why we do this podcast. This right here. This is why we do it. All right, that's awesome. Okay, well, with that, let's get into uh, let's get into our deep dive. So, uh, yes, we are the Almost Sideways podcast, and AlmostSideways.com has been around since 2008. If you guys can believe that, that's 12 years old now. Uh, podcast has been around for three years, and we named it this um, after two of our collective favorite movies. T- two movies that we don't disagree on at all and that is almost famous and sideways and our first deep dive actually i went back and looked our first deep dive was almost famous it was episode 35 that was our first deep dive and now here we are and i i know you guys had kind of said you were afraid almost to do sideways because you know the movie so well and exactly what it was what what hadn't you talked about on this movie before because I mean, those trips to Vegas, we would just kind of wander around the streets, the strip of Vegas, talking about sideways. Like, that was the whole, that was a lot of the trip. And then, you know, betting on IUPUI at 8 in the morning. Um, well, there would be a solid, there was a solid, like, five years where there would not be a week that goes by that I didn't get a text from Zach asking some question about some random character in sideways. So I feel like I have, we have talked this movie to the point that, like, I, I, I said the other day to, to Zach that I feel like... I have nothing to say and everything to say at the same time, and so I'm terrified of doing this. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Well, let's start with some trivia, uh, and and see how you uh, see how you do. I came up with the trivia because of the three of us, I definitely know this movie the least. Uh, I still know it fairly well, but definitely the least out of the three of us. So. I, I I had to I knew I had to bring my A game on this, so I've got some um, some really tough ones. At least I think they're tough. You may laugh at me and say these are ridiculous questions. Why are you asking them? Um, but we'll see. Zach's gonna go first. So Todd, unplug. Yeah, I have no okay. expectation of beating Todd on this, <laughs> but I will try my best. All right. So there are there are sixteen questions. Worth, I honestly don't know how many points. We'll get. We'll figure that out at the end. <laughs> All right. First question. How many times does Miles' landlord knock on his door before he answers? Uh, seven. The answer is 19. That makes sense. Uh, next question. When Miles moves his car, what kind of car does he park behind around the corner? VW bus. 
VW bus. That is for sale, by the way. Uh, next one. According to his speedometer, how fast is Miles going on his way to pick up Jack while he's filling out the crossword puzzle? Well, it's interesting that you noticed that because I was more noticing this the odometer, um, which I couldn't quite make out. So I did not pay attention to how fast he was going. I'm going to say 70 miles an hour. Uh, the According to the speedometer, he was going zero. Oh. Yeah. Continuity error. Alexander's uh -huh. got to get on that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Just for that shot of him, of the, the crossword puzzle, yeah. Um, all right, what was on TV when Miles arrived at the in-law's house? Uh, oh, at the in-law's house. At the in-law's house. Oh, I thought you were going to say his mother's house. Um, golf, right? It's golf, yeah. <clears throat> the first of two appearances of golf on TV in this movie. It, it is. Um, what is exactly the same in the new ending of the book? Uh, page 743 on. No, 750 on. Oh, seven pages off. Okay, we'll, yeah. we'll see how close Todd... If I'm closer, do I get okay. the point? Yeah, what did you say, I 743? Only, I was only seven seven pages off. Oh, and what did you say? You said seven knocks, too. I'll, I'll, I'll keep track of that one, too. I don't think I'm getting that. All right. One. This, one, this one is worth five points. Um, what does Miles smell in the wine? Uh, nutty Eat'em Cheese. That's one. Strawberries. That's another. Um, ooh. I, that is all I have. Oh, man, you are really going to lose this. Yep. Um, <laughs> a little citrus, maybe some strawberries, passion fruit, and then uh, just a sousant of asparagus and a flutter of a Nutty Eat'em Cheese. Strawberries, not the cheese. Um, next question. Where did Christine and Jack meet? Uh, at Sushi Roku. Very good. Sans rock. Um, what three wines does Stephanie pour for Miles and Jack? Well, the Cab Franc. Cab Franc, yep. The Syrah. Yep. And... Those are the last two. What was the first one? Uh, ooh... Um, it's not a Pinot. It's like um, uh, I I don't know Cabernet Cab Sauv. I don't know uh, Chardonnay. Chardonnay. Okay, I wouldn't have got that. All right. Uh, what four things does Stephanie have to do to close up the winery? Oh, jeez, uh, <laughs> man. Okay, put away the put away the the glasses. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll give you half a point. It's actually put out the glasses for the next day. Um, lock up? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't know. I, I defer to Todd. Uh, close up the register, clean up, put some stuff away, exact quote, and put the glasses out for the next day. Somehow, I think that was not the focus of that scene, um, that line oh, no, of dialogue. Oh, no, not at all. But, okay. Not at all. But I'm, 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 uh... I told you, I had, to, I had to dig deep for these because you know this movie so well. Okay, um, during that scene, the, the double date scene, um, what were the specials? There were four things listed off. I, I, no, I have no clue. Ostrich. Okay. Brace ostrich. No, Locally no, braised. That... <laughs> Wrong scene. Wrong scene. Corn chowder was the soup, and the entree was medallions of pork dusted with black truffles. Uh, a rude vegetable flaunt and a wasabi whipped potato. 
Okay, I really want to see if Todd gets any of those. I, I do too. I do too. The, the, I'm, I'm challenging you here. All right, uh, who did Miles have an affair with? Brenda. Brenda, good. Lots of conspiracy theories about that that Todd and I have talked about over the years. Uh, what room number do Miles and Jack have? Um, isn't it like 263? Something like that? 234. 234. All right. Um, what song is playing in the background in the hotel bar when Jack contemplates canceling the wedding for the first time? It's like one of the only times an actual song comes on during this movie, which is sort of interesting. Uh-huh. I don't I don't remember. If Once you tell me, I'll remember, but I don't remember. Two tickets to paradise. That's exactly right. <clears throat> uh, what snack do uh, Miles and Maya share as they walk through the market? Popcorn. Good. Um, what excuse did Jack give for Miles' behavior at Frass Canyon? His, his mother died. Yep. And the last question. Uh, a 61 Cheval Blanc is a blend of what two kinds of wine? Was this said in the movie? It was not. <laughs> uh, Pinot Noir and Cabernet. A Cab Franc and a Merlot. Interesting. No Pinot. But, right, and Merlot. But it's French Merlot, so it's not California Merlot, so it's okay. Okay. All right. Well, you got ten and a half points. Maybe some more. I got to count up how many this is actually out of. Todd, you're going to win. These, these were some intense questions. This was, like, this was like Miles grading his student's paper and writing no. That's what I felt like the whole time doing it. All right, Todd. Uh, this... I've actually read the page... <laughs> um, before I, I had to pause it and <laughs> yeah Todd's gonna win this <laughs> there was one question I was like oh Zach if you can't get this you've got no chance alright there are there are 16 questions worth 29 points alright Zach got 10 and a half okay first question how many times does Miles Landlord knock on his door before he answers Like how many knocks is it, or how many times does how many knock, literal like uh, in how many literal like oh. click click clicks are there? I mean, I'm gonna say like eleven. Nineteen. I keep nineteen. And you wow, were closer, okay. so I'll give you the point. Uh, when Miles moves his car, what kind of car does he park behind around the corner? Is it like a like a tow truck? No, this is actually one Zach got. This, he parks behind a VW bus. Um, that was for sale. Uh, maybe he was already behind a tow truck. Next question. I feel, I feel like there was a tow truck in that. Yeah, I, I mean, that may have been where his car was before. All right, according to his speedometer, how fast is Miles going on his way to pick up Jack while he is filling out the crossword puzzle? Zero. Zero is correct. Yeah, you got no, no chance, Zach. Um, next question. What was on TV when Miles arrived at the in-laws' house? Okay, so... Was that... That was, like, the the History Channel? About Hitler? No, that was Miles' mom's house. No, oh. at, at the in-laws' house, it was golf. Ma- Wait, the in-laws' house was golf? So he, they're yeah. watching golf multiple times? Yep. Oh. Yep. Okay. Zach, yeah. you got that one too. Wow, okay. It's not over. Um, Anything can it's happen. It's not over. It's not over. Um, what is exactly the same in the new ending of the book? 
what what is the same? Like what page, is exactly the same in the new ending of the book? Seven hundred and fifty and on. Yep. Okay. Zach said set <laughs> was, page seven hundred forty three and on. That was weirdly worded, but okay. <laughs> it, it was worded. Uh, I was trying to word it in the way that he words it in the in the line. Okay. Um, next question. This is worth five points. What five things does Miles smell in the wine? Uh, citrus, strawberries, uh, passion fruit, um, asparagus, and, uh, flutter of a nutty Edam cheese. Well done. Wow. Well done. How many of those does that get? Two. Two? He got the Edam, he got the Edam cheese and the strawberries. It would have been better if wow. he didn't get the cheese, because then we could say he got the strawberries, not the cheese. Not um, the cheese. Uh, where did Christine and Jack meet? Uh, well, when she was waitressing at Sushi Roku. Roku. Correct. Uh, what three wines does Stephanie pour for Miles and Jack? Uh, the Cab Franc. Um, the Syrah. Oh, I don't remember what the first one is. I couldn't remember either. That's a really good question, by the way, Terry. That was your best question. The, uh, Thank, you. Say, Thank you. Thank uh, you. Sauvignon Blanc. Is that what you said, Zach? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was a Chardonnay. Chardonnay. Okay. All right, uh, what four things does Stephanie have to do to close up the winery? Uh, clean up, put the glasses up for the next day. Uh, That's two. Put the put away the chairs. I mean, I can give you half a point. She says put some stuff away. Okay. The last one is close up and, the register. Uh, okay. I was going to say lock up, so I wouldn't have gotten that. No. Um, during that scene of the double date, um, what four things are listed as the special? What, what, what the waitress says? Yep, yep. Uh, what four items does the waitress say? Lamb? No. It I... was corn chowder, and then the entree was medallions of pork dusted with black truffles. A rude vegetable fluant, and wasabi whipped potatoes. That's a good question. The the problem with that, I mean, I guess no. It's a great. I mean, the, it makes it an even better question because it, like the 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 dialogue is muddled through like the the score in that in that part. So you, you really don't oh, I had to, to rewind attention. it two or three times to get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, who did Miles have an affair with? Uh, Brenda. Brenda. Uh, what room number do Miles and Jack have? Oh. 204. 234. 234, damn it. <laughs> I think I was technically closer on that because I said 263. I mean, you, you both had a 2 and a 3. Or, no, you had a 2 he and a 3. Tw- Todd had a 2 and a 4. I, I was 30 away. <laughs> I don't. I, I it doesn't matter. Todd's already four up. Um, 
What song is playing in the background in the hotel bar when Jack contemplates canceling the wedding for the first time? Uh, Eddie Money's Two Tickets to Paradise. There you and go. And I can never hear that song without thinking of that scene. <laughs> wow. <laughs> See, I can't hear that song without thinking of Vice City, but... Yeah, well, yeah. that too. But... Alright, uh, what snack do Miles and Maya share as they walk through the market? Like, kettle corn? Eh, popcorn, kettle corn, sure. I I it, can't, it can't be popcorn. They wouldn't sell that in, like, an outdoor market. It'd have to be kettle corn, right? It, it's it, it's popcorn of some variety. Okay. Um, what excuse did Jack give for Miles' behavior at Frass Canyon? Uh, his mother just died. <clears throat> that is correct. And the last question, worth two points. A 61 Shovel Blanc is a blend of what two kinds of wine? Merlot and Cab Franc. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> he even got that one, Zach. Impressive. So, uh, yeah, 19.5 to 10.5, Todd wins. I, I, I did all right. I did all right. I had to try. I couldn't find, like, the simple stuff. Like, I was like, okay, I could, I could ask you to see if you know this line. I'm like, no, I've heard Todd quote that line too many times. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't ask a question about that one. So the, uh, so the yeah. only things I wrote down for trivia were who was the golfer that misses the putt? Oh, his name. His last name started with an L. Um, it's like Justin Lett or something like that. It's pretty close. James Lepp. Lepp. I was gonna say Lip, so I was I was gonna be close too. And uh, what what is the winery that Stephanie works at? Kalira. Kalira, yeah. Which she only says. You never actually see that anywhere, and they don't mention it when they're going there. They just show up, and or it does, they don't even show them showing up. They just walk up to the bar, and she's there. Yeah. Zach, did you have any questions? I did. I was going to see if you guys could name my fantasy football team names from 2012 to 2020, <clears throat> which uh, is not, always an inside joke. I, I name my fantasy football team every year after uh, an obscure reference in Sideways, so... Um, yeah, go for it. Frass All right, well, it's... Yeah, Frass Canyon's one. This year's that, Smudge of Excrement. That, yes, correct. Um, <laughs> one was Five Clicks Jackson. Correct. That was, that was uh, 2017. And that was my, my idea. <laughs> That's Five um, Clicks Jackson. And whenever I hear that line, I think of the, the DVD commentary because... And, uh, Miles... Or, not Miles. I mean, basically Miles. Uh, Giamatti. It's Giamatti and, uh... And Thomas Hayden Church and Giamatti's like, he's like, wow, I went full Civil War on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, Derek's wallet wasn't that one of them? Yeah, that was 2015. Um, Sprain wash? No, that's a no. that would be a good one for maybe next year. Um, oh gosh. I mean, the last the last couple of years, you haven't changed a profile pic. It's still it's been the the naked husband running out after the car. <laughs> yes, one of the great um, images in cinematic history. Um, one of the one of the ones one of the names was something that I just said. It was Nutty Eatem Cheese, and I oh, would, yeah. I wouldn't have remembered Nutty Eatem Cheese were it not for my 2018 fantasy football team name. But uh, the others here quickly were Dr. Derek Summersby. Um, in my 2013 college pick'em lead, I had the name, You Mean Today? With a question mark. Um, 
2014 was AJ Spurs, 2016 was 70 dot 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 something, and 2019 was Rogue Grey Mystery. I've always wanted to name my team right past the Buffalo, but that's too many characters. <laughs> you, you can, you can, you know, abbreviate and make it I've, work. Terry, I have spent hours thinking about it. it there's no way of doing it. Uh, <laughs> Listeners, if you... Sure one, one of the questions is going to be all the things that, all the side effects that Zach, uh, Jack rattles off. <laughs> oh, that would have yeah, been a good one a too. Good one. That would have been a good one too. Uh, I can't remember all the highs. Gingivitis. If you have a history of kidney or, li- or liver or kidney trouble, you're a dead asshole. <laughs> I forget that. There's a bunch of random shit. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Todd, you won, um, and you obviously know this one the best. So tell us, tell us your experience with Sideways and what makes it awesome. Uh, so Sideways is like life for me like i i love every character i can relate to every character in different ways uh, the first time i saw it was when i was immobilized in the summer of 2005 with my acl surgery and terry decided to get my mom to buy this movie for us to watch uh at full price which i had never heard of but terry had seen that it had won an oscar or something and i was like really upset like why would you get her to buy that movie i don't know this movie and I liked it quite a lot when I first watched it, but I didn't never would have guessed that it would have turned into what it is now, which is basically one of my first or second favorite movie of all time. Like it had slowly cre- crept up the the ranks for me. Uh, I watched it once a month for a solid, you know, half decade probably. I I always watched it January first, so I knew I would start my year off with a great movie. Uh, Anyway, what Sideways is about, it's about Miles and Jack. Miles is a, a wannabe writer, but he's a high school English teacher. And uh, Jack is getting married. He is an actor. And they go off on a wine tour, bachelor party week sort of thing, and get in uh, shenanigans. And Jack just wants to get laid. Miles just wants to have a good time, uh, you know, bonding in his favorite place. And it is the best road trip movie you could ever imagine it is a movie about friendship it's a movie about love it's a movie about pain uh it's it's basically everything it's a comedy drama uh if you would ask what is the example of a comedy drama it would be this it's it's hilarious and it's devastating it's alexander Payne at his absolute best and it's one of the great movies ever all right zach anything to add well, uh, I mean, minus the ACL surgery, I think I had a somewhat similar experience watching it in the sense that, I, well, I saw it in a theater with my dad back in uh, Christmas 04, somewhere around that range. And like Todd, I knew I liked it. I didn't love it necessarily at first. I think I initially had it like number five or six on my 2004 top 10 list because I was you know, really into movies even at that age. But uh, I think since meeting both of you, it's certainly um, gone up quite a bit, and uh, it never fails to deliver. Like, even even watching it again this past weekend, it's like, I, you know, I, I go into these podcasts, especially with, you know, like Raging Bull, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, I come out disappointed, you know, and it just kind of manifests itself in our conversations. This movie has always held up extremely well. Like, there's no, it, it, it brightens your day, it makes you think a little bit, it makes you pause and laugh hysterically at the awkwardness and hilarity of these characters. 
um, and it, it never tries overly hard. Like, like the ending of this movie is an extremely emotional and beautiful, beautifully simplistic ending, and yet it's so like minimalist. It doesn't, it doesn't try. It doesn't have like the the, the strings on the soundtrack or anything. It's 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 beautiful in its simplicity. So um, I think there is, like Todd said, a sort of zen to this movie. And um, even though I don't want to live the life of either of these main characters because they're both losers, but it is a, a, a great a great story. And um, yes, definitely a top top ten movie for me all time. I also want to say. Uh, because of this movie, because they went to San Diego State, in my senior year, I applied to San Diego State, I got in, and I really wanted to go actually go to San Diego State, just because so, Miles and Jack did. And that is the level of commitment I've always had to this movie. Yeah, I mean, we I were, remember that. We were fans of the Jacksonville Jaguars, because they had a player named Miles Jack. <laughs> the, the greatest <laughs> name in NFL history. <clears throat> uh, so, um, yeah, I, I'm... I realized watching it, uh, I watched this last night for, for this, and I realized just how much I I know this movie. Like, it's one of those where I I don't I don't have the insane fandom that you guys have for this one. Um, however, I, I, I realized just how much I've gleaned from it by hanging out with the two of you and listening to your conversations, and how many times I've actually watched it. Um, I, I was looking here, I actually have it number 6 of 2004, um, which may have to change a little bit. However, I look at the 5 I have above, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not displeased by that result, but it probably should be higher a little bit. Um, it's, yeah, like you guys said, it's an amazing movie. And one of the things I, I was thinking about as I was watching it last night is, you know, we, we've talked about, and Zach, you mentioned this last uh, last episode when we were talking One Floor Over the Cuckoo's Nest, how movies, our perception of movies change over the years as we're, as we get older and as we change our, how we look at movies, how that changes. And my thought about this one, um, was how I relate to the different characters differently now that I'm, now that I'm a little older. I mean, I, I was looking at this and, and when we get into, we'll do some recasting and stuff here in a little bit, but, um, Paul Giamatti was 38 years old when he made this movie. Like that, that's only three years older than I am right now. <laughs> so uh, uh, you you relate to where they're at in life in a different way now that we're a little closer to that age. I feel, and um, it adds a whole new perspective to kind of what that movie's all about. Yes, and the fact that you lived in an apartment complex that was exactly like uh, Miles's mother. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I that yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit. We haven't. I mean, this is '04. We haven't talked a whole lot about 2004 before. So, um, this was nominated for five Oscars in 2004. Uh, picture, supporting actor, supporting actress, director, and adapted screenplay, which it won. It won adapted screenplay. Um, what, what else, uh, obviously, other than Best Actor, which Paul Giamatti got robbed for this. Yeah, uh, one so of the five get... greatest snubs in uh, the history of the Academy. Yeah, I mean, Clint Eastwood for Million Dollar Baby, really, over over Paul Giamatti for Sideways. Um, yeah, so uh, so what, el- what else should it have been nominated for? I mean, it, everything. 
<laughs> is that an answer? <laughs> the, the score by Rolfie Kent. Like, I, mm. I've heard I've heard some of his other music, and it's all just derivative of what he did on Sideways. It it's a it it it, it puts you in the mood of every scene. And even like the transitional scenes, it's just it's just cool music to listen to. I, I I can't imagine what what they were thinking when they did not single that one out as being one of one of their nominees. Or how about the editing by Kevin Tent with the awesome you know like split screens that move that are really cool. I even assigned my students an assignment like that based on Sideways, or like the amazing art direction by T.K. Kirkpatrick. I mean. Every scene in this movie is impeccably designed. Like, look at some... Someone should do, like, a, a book or some sort of YouTube fan video about the artwork in Sideways. Like, the Southwestern paintings that are in, like, every single scene. Whether it's the hotel room or, uh, you know, Christine's parents' house or the hitching post. Like, it is impeccably designed. And, like, Miles' apartment, too. I mean, it's something that I, I noticed a lot this time. Like, it, it is chaotic. It is a mess. But it is a purposeful mess that says a lot about his personality. That takes time and effort. And you know you can you can applaud the big budget mass epic you know Star Wars Marvel movies for their art design, but frankly, I'm way more impressed when the director takes the time to actually design a set that really enhances the characterization and not the uh, bullshit CGI effects. And only then can you coax it into its fullest expression. Have you ever noticed? I, I noticed it this time. Have you ever noticed that there is like a a flat cardboard mock Oscar? sitting on Miles uh table next to his couch in his apartment. Yes, I noticed that this time. I think I've noticed <laughs> it before. His apartment's very cool. Like I think it kind of meant it to be like sort of a dump, but it has a kind of like art deco aesthetic to it that I I always thought looked actually kind of cool. I I'd, I'd like to live at the Seacrest. I feel like they spent the most care putting together his apartment which we got to see for like a total of 30 seconds. Well, the 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 end scene, like that's that's longer than thirty seconds, I would think. Oh yeah, I guess so. I think also a lot of care went into Maya's apartment as well, with all the flowers on the outside and the bed, which is very prominently placed in the middle of the frame. It's almost like a Lubitsch movie from the twenties. Like it is right, it is right dead center, and it's like a little bit askew, which is kind of interesting too. But like that's an amazing apartment as well that I think says a lot about her character and Stephanie's uh, place, obviously as well. It's it's like a mess. It's sort of a dump, but it says a lot about the characters, and it's kind of unique and interesting. I don't think Maya lives in... I think it's a condo. I don't think it's an apartment. Because there's like a one single stair that goes up to her place. Like, I don't yeah, think that, that could be any apartment. Yeah, you, yeah, apartment, condo, whatever. What do you think Jack's place looks like? That's the one we don't see. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> he probably has, like, nothing in it. <laughs> or is he just living at the in-law's house? No, he couldn't. He he was dying in there. There's there's no way he could live there. <laughs> now he He's said earlier like three hours. <laughs> I said earlier that um, Terry used to live in Phyllis's apartment complex. I used to live in a house that had the same design as Cammy's house. Like it was actually uncanny. Like the the placement of the door and the bedrooms, and so every time now I watch that scene, I'm like, oh shit, that's the house I used to live in. I mean, it obviously wasn't <laughs> as like, you know derelict but uh and george w bush was not on the tv in that house but it was still the same house oh that's amazing i hadn't even thought about that well your your house oh. in lawrence 
Yeah, my my old house. Yeah, yeah. You've yeah, been the, in the it. The one that I went to. Yeah, I was, I was yeah. thinking that. Yeah. Okay. It's the exact same layout, which is not uncommon because it's kind of a cheap. It was kind of a cheap house, but yeah. I, so I, I mean, yeah, it's a common layout. It is a common layout, but you have to you have to understand that this movie. When Todd says this movie is life, like it it, it is life. I mean, like we've lived in the spaces that these characters were in, and like you know, Miles's mother has some uncanny similarities to my mother, right? Uh, Steph's mom in my life has a lot of uncanny parallels to my mother-in-law. I mean, there are characters that are just they they're they're almost replicas, and so you know, I can't we can't get out of this sideways world that we live in. Maybe just because of our incessant fandom of this movie, but I th- and I think it's safe to say we all have a Miles in our life. We all have a Jack in our life, and if you don't, it might be you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, let's get into some more uh, some more conversations about this. This uh, Let's do a recasting of the four mains. Oh, my mains. God. Oh. I, I have to say, this was the worst, this was the worst, hardest recasting we've ever done. No question. Yeah, because, well, I mean... This is the we, newest movie we've done, right? No, we did, we did some 05 ones. Oh, that's right, yeah. 40-year-old virgin... Okay, that's right. And don't forget Uncut Gems. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. true. Recasting it in the 70s or whatever Zach was doing. Yeah, I did the 90s. Anyways, alright. So, Miles, played by Paul Giamatti. Uh, Todd, who do you have? Well, I mean... Yeah, this is the hardest movie to recast. Uh, the None of these are perfect, so I kind of have, like, two actors for this one, and I kind of want a hybrid of what they do. So I have some sort of hybrid between Mark Duplass and Jack Black. I feel like in some way that that, that could get to uh, what you want with Miles, because you need to be really self-loathing, but you also really actually need to have some charm. Mark Duplass can do a lot of that, but Jack Black, I feel like, has the uh, has the ability to tap into a lot of the darker side of Miles. I don't know. It, it's it's not perfect, but that's the best I could come up with. That's not bad. Mark Duplass isn't bad. Yeah. I don't know about Jack Black. That's I think he's more of a Jack than a Miles. He's he's too old now, too, probably. But I, was, I don't know. Parts of Jack Black I could see in Miles. Yeah, right, I, Zach, I think we extend grace in this category because this this is the most, uh, you know, impossible movie ever to recast. So like the the, it, the casting of the four leads are so it, perfect. It's imp- yeah, yeah. All right, Zach, what do you got for Miles? I also kind of went with a blend, although I'm leaning toward one over the other. At first, I thought Remy Malik, although he might be a little too young at this point. But I think the important thing with with Miles is his like stature and kind of being smaller a little bit. Um, but then I decided screw that, and then I went with someone who I've thought actually for a long time, um, and that is Macon Blair, uh, the star of Blue Ruin. Yeah, that's pretty good. See, yeah. See, I always thought the only actor that could be cast in that role would have been Philip Seymour Hoffman. And of course. Since that's not possible anymore, I was thinking Jesse Plemons, but he's also, I think he's too young still. But he still he's, probably could do it. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman, though, Philip Seymour Hoffman is, is the only acceptable answer. And he did kind of play that role in Love, Liza and maybe a couple other movies. But 
that that's probably the closest we'll ever really get. All right. Well, uh, my pick is uh, Simon Helberg, who I think mm. he, he kind of has a similar look to Paul Giamatti, and I think I mean you gotta have it's gotta be like the lovable loser, and I think he could pull that off really well. Um, the one problem with that is he's such a great mimic. I could see him just trying to mimic Paul Giamatti in the role, which I guess wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. Yeah. Okay. All right, Jack. Brought to us brilliantly by Thomas Hayden Church. Oscar-nominated performance. Todd, what do you got? Yeah, the, I I feel like Thomas Hayden Church gave like the best supporting performance of the 2000s. I don't know how to recast this. He's so perfect because of his, of how, I don't know, just how he appears, his like how he looks, how, how his voice, sound of his voice, just his attitude. It's so different than any other actor. The closest I could come up with was Glenn Howerton, who is uh, one of the leads in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He plays Dennis. Because he has a lot of the asshole qualities that Jack has, but at the same time, it, it, I don't I don't know that he totally fits it, but I feel like a lot of his character in It's Always Sunny had to have been based on what he saw in Sideways. There's a couple others I'll, I'll mention after you guys go, but uh, that, that's as close as I could come to approaching what Tom St. Church does. All right, all right. Zach? Well, my first instinct was Sean William Scott. Um, he's the right age right now, and like uh, Thomas Hayden Church, you know, he had a good career about 20 years ago and it's kind of disappeared. But then I decided that I want to go with someone fun. Like Sean William Scott, you know, I could actually sort of see in that role. So I want to go with someone who's going to be on the billboard who I'd be like, God damn, I actually really want to see that. And um, just go with me here. I went with Steve-O. I think Steve-O has a dark side to his life, and but I think he can play the complexity, the douchebagness, the the hubris, um, the sexual conquests. Uh, he, I think he could do that role. I would love to see that. You're telling me that you wouldn't want to see a remake with Steve-O as Jack. Steve-O and Macon Blair. Okay, but Steve-O could not be a uh, like a voice actor. <laughs> I really, I don't know. I mean. People like the raspy voice. Uh, I mean, uh, I yeah, I, I would obviously pay to see that. Steve-O is a hero of mine, but I, I don't know. That, that's, that is pretty uh, off the wall, but I I can appreciate it. It would definitely take it in a different, in a different way. It definitely would not be directed by Alexander Payne. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. All right, I've got three names written down. Um, one of them kind of going on a similar line to what... To what uh, Zach did with Sean William Scott, someone who, who had a career like in the '90s and has kind of been out of it, but could kind of make a you know, it, it kind of it feels like Jack in that way. It's kind of a little outside the box. I, uh, that one is Jaleel White. Like, I mean, maybe he has that, to be able my to least, seduce women, though. <laughs> that's my least favorite of my believably, of three, but I, I thought that would be an outside the box look. Uh, if you want to go with someone that would be a little more. A little more like right now, someone like Alexander Skarsgård. I could see doing all right. Um, yeah, my he favorite... did just do comedy last year, Long Shot. I, I I never thought that he had a sense of humor, but I, I could see, I could kind of see that. So my favorite, my favorite choice, I think, would fit really well, and that's Jason Siegel. Um, 
kind of in, yeah. you could he could almost take it in like a way that he took his character in knocked up yeah yeah that's that's not bad well like it's a combination a... of knocked up and i love you man yeah well then we're also talking about like john c Riley territory a little bit where it's like almost just comical trying to see him seduce women the other but, ones yeah. i had written down were uh will arnett mostly because of his voice and i feel like he he would be at least really entertaining doing that and he'd and... be a good miles i think yeah yeah, I didn't like, think like I mean, Alexander Payne even cast him as that type of character in Nebraska. Yeah, that's true. And the other one, oh, I was no, thinking... I'm thinking, I'm thinking Will Forte, not Will Arnett. Yeah, Will Forte. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking Will Forte. Yeah. Will Will Arnett would be a good Jack. Will Will Forte would be a great Miles. The other one I was thinking about, which would take it in a kind of a different direction, is Andy Samberg, because I like a, a lot of the quirks that Jack has. I, I feel like. Sandberg would make it if he actually tried to not do make it super slapsticky or whatever. I I feel like that that would make that character have a lot of depth, especially with what he did in like Palm Springs and stuff. Like I feel like he 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 has more capability than what he actually shows on screen a lot of the time. See, yeah, I would argue like good. I would argue that like Jason Siegel is the better version of that. Yeah, I, Jason Segel's a pretty good call. I, I do like yeah. that. He, he is way more like Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Maya Haya uh, brought to us by Virginia Madsen in her Oscar-nominated performance, uh, the namesake for the Pluckett family dog, um, Todd. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like, Maya's name, the dog's name is Maya because of Sideways. Uh, it's, I went with Linda Cardellini. I, she, she has a, she has that subtlety and she's got that sort of like a half, a little bit of like a mean streak, but at the same time, she's like super caring in like every role that she has. And she's everyone's favorite home wrecker from Boomy's World, but she, I don't know. I think she, I don't know. Maya is impossible. Like nobody is Virginia Madsen and, uh, but Linda Cardellini, I feel like at least could get some of that. (laughs) I realize it's not great. It's not even good because nobody is Virginia Madsen. Mention number two of Boy Meets World on this podcast. <laughs> Cheers. All right, Zach, what do you got? Yeah, my mine was not great either. I, I wanted to go with someone a little more obscure to kind of resurrect their career, but um, the only person I could really land on was Amy Adams. Like, in the in the vein of, like, her Amy Adams or maybe Nocturnal Animals Amy Adams, like a little bit more of a mature... Um, Amy Adams, but you know, someone who immediately makes you feel at ease whenever they come on screen. And Amy Adams is the first person I thought of. Like the grown up version of her character from Junebug. Sure, yes. <laughs> uh, I've got two names written down. I think both are fairly, are fairly good. One I think definitely has proven to be a better actress than the other. And that's um, the, the better actress of the two is Carrie Russell. And then the other one I wrote down is Piper Parabo. You know, I actually came across both those names, too, in my head when I was thinking about these roles. <laughs> <laughs> Kara Russell <laughs> is a good one. I, 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 was, I almost had actually wrote, wrote her down as my second option. I, I could see her doing, doing this, uh, this one justice. Yeah. All right. Stephanie. Sandra O. Oh, the... Todd. The namesake of my late Camaro. 
Um, <laughs> and what's interesting, okay, so I've read the books, Sideways, side, uh, Vertical, and Sideways 3, Chili, and Stephanie's character's name in, in the books is Tara, which I think is weird, because Stephanie is a perfect name for that character, but Tara, I don't know, I, I guess it kind of fits the personality. I went with Mila Kunis. It's got to be someone who, who who has this, like, not obvious, like, sex appeal, but is still, like, really interesting, and you could see as being a, a person that is really knowledgeable of something as specific as wine, and I, I think Mila Kunis c- could do a lot of those things, and it, I don't know, I... It would, I don't know, I think it would be interesting to see her attack something like that, because we haven't seen her in a movie kind of, like, in this even genre before. So we're gonna, we're gonna make, uh, Jack be Jason Siegel, and then Stephanie's gonna be Mila Kunis. Why don't we just have, you know, Maya be Kristen Bell, and, uh, and Miles can be Russell Brand, and we'll just do a Forgetting Sarah Marshall reunion here. <laughs> That, well, yeah, Siegel is not my choice, but yeah. You, you know, Forgetting Sarah Marshall has some uncanny parallels with Sideways, if you think about it. It's a vacation movie about a guy who has broken up with his ex and is trying to get over her. Yeah? In an exotic destination. That's all I got. I don't know. <laughs> well, Salibos isn't exactly exotic, but... <laughs> I appreciate Wine country. I mean, you could you could say it. Anyways, there's right. no there's no Aldous Snow, but there is that guitar player at uh, at uh, Frass Canyon. There we go. Now, how how creepy would it have been if that guitar player starts singing "Inside You" <laughs> or the Dracula song "Die uh, Die"? I can't. We got we got to deep dive that sometime. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, Zach, what other um, actress from uh, Grey's Anatomy did you pick for uh, to play Stephanie? <laughs> uh, I, I didn't. Although I was thinking about Eric Dane as as Jack, but neither of you. Oh, would that's, get not that. um, that's not bad. That's not bad actually. Uh, I went. Steph for me was the easiest one. I went with Aubrey Plaza. Funny, sexy, I was about that too. Hilarious, and could conceivably beat someone up on her motorcycle. She just hits him with the helmet. She doesn't beat him up. I, all right, I went with uh, I went with Emmy Rossum, it, and think of it like uh, the not white trash version of her character in Shameless. I, I could see is basically Stephanie, like like the sex appeal with an edge to it, and yeah, I can see it. I can see it. Emmy Rossum. Interesting. I still can't get over Jack Black as as Miles. That, you don't that, think that? I mean, he's too old. But I mean, don't you feel like he could do that, or he has done versions of that in the past? Like, if you look at like Be Kind Rewind or something like that, I feel like that there, there's a lot of Miles in the in that character. Well, listen, there's no bigger Jack Black defender than I am. I love Jack Black. I would I would watch that. I just don't know if it's the right role, but I would be intrigued if he could do it. Like, I think there's a high ceiling with that performance. Well, see, in the book, Miles. Miles is not, he, he's more like a Greg Kinnear. He's not like a Paul Giamatti. Like, he, I, he's not that, I, I, I never, if, I, if you read the book, you'll never picture Paul Giamatti as Miles. But, but it ob- works. Yeah, obviously, it's, yeah, it's a better movie than it is a book. 
<laughs> I mean, but that's not to say the book isn't great. It is, but I mean, the, the movie is one of the top ever. Okay, so two things. One, Greg Kinnear just got a shout out. Good job, Todd. Yeah. And uh, and two, uh, if it were Jack Black, I could see, like, I mean, if you make, like, Dewey Finn not comical as much and more just sad from School of Rock, that's basically Miles. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of qualities of Jack Black that I feel like fit Miles, but not all of them. That's why I had to combine it with Mark Duplass. <laughs> Mark Duplass would be interesting. I, I, I would watch that. I, I could see that working. Also, the name of Christine in the books is Babs. Which I kind of think fits better than Christine. Because that's not exactly an Armenian name. Is Babs Armenian? Well, no. I also didn't know that until this time I recognized who Christine was. It was the warden lady in Orange is the New Black. She's definitely not Armenian. I'm pretty sure she was born in, like, Miami. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever notice that? Zach? No, I didn't. I, I'll have to look at that again. It's been a while since I've seen Orders of the New Black. Okay. Who would Nicolas Cage play? I, I feel like that like that there is definitely a, a time frame where Nicolas Cage is the perfect Jack. And yeah, it yes. may have even been yes. 2004. Like, if it wasn't Thomas Hayden Church, they should have gotten Nicolas Cage. Oh, no, 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 no. Nicolas Cage is Miles. I mean, he... he uh, like matchstick men like that that character is very close to miles in a lot of ways he could have played pro- both roles I, that, like, that's kind like of what an, i was yeah. thinking too like an adaptation <laughs> yes <laughs> charlie donald, is miles donald and donald been, is jack <laughs> oh my god I, that's a great conspiracy theory how did we not come up with that before i think that actually i've thought actually about thought this. about before but <laughs> I'm not, maybe i never actually said it out loud <laughs> that's but so far the, that, there, that's there's the no real other thing you can do yeah. yeah, I mean adaptation is also kind of sideways. Like that's almost, that's uncanny. Adapt is sideways is is adaptation meets forgetting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> In wine country. <laughs> oh man, a commercial on the TV just came up with Paul Giamatti in it. I I just had to had to mention that. I don't, th- I don't think I could see Nicolas Cage as, as Jack because another, I mean, we, we couldn't recast him as Jack, but I always see Vince Vaughn in Swingers as a character very similar to Jack, and I wonder if in writing oh. the screenplay, you know, Jim Taylor and Alexander Payne maybe had that role sort of in mind, because that, that character is very similar in a lot of ways. Yeah, I don't Vince know. Vince Vaughn isn't bad. Vin- I don't Vince Vaughn in Swingers is too... He's too, he's still too young and confident. Like Tom Saint Church is an asshole, and that's why he's popular. I don't know. I I I could see some of the. There's obviously some uh, John Favreau in in Miles, but yeah, I don't know. Like, the connection is similar, I guess. All right, highest war performance. Todd, what do you got? It, it's Tom Saint Church. I I I I can't come up with anybody that would be better than that. I I read that in his audition, uh, he decided to audition the scene where he just gets back from uh, running naked from Solvang to Los Olivos, and he uh, 
and he actually did strip naked in his in his audition and acted the scene <laughs> out naked. And I mean, because who else is gonna do that? That's Thomas Hayden Church. He was he like kind of unretired from movies. I I don't remember him doing anything between like George of the Jungle and Sideways. Like I and uh, it's it's the perfect role. I could I could never picture anybody else doing that. Even in the book, I I read his lines in the voice of Tom St. Church. Nice. Nice. I really don't think there's a wrong answer here. Zach, what do you got? Oh, I think there's a wrong answer, and I think it's Jack. I I think that's actually the only answer that I think... Because I think a lot of other actors could have played Jack. And actually, it was sort of like... I even thought of like Patrick Wilson, Peter Sarsgaard, Jude Law, even Adam Sandler, you could kind of see maybe Chris Peter Pratt. Peter Sarsgaard would be I, awful. Well, I, I'm not saying they'd be as good as Thomas Hayden Church. I just think that in terms of war, that is a role that probably... And of course, George, famously, George Clooney wanted the role as well. I, I, I feel like that's a role that a lot of different actors could have played. I think... Well, yeah, but, I mean, but Thomas Hayden Church, the reason why he's great is because he wasn't a name. Like, he was, he is someone that is that's that true. character. That's true. That's, that's, that's true. Um... If if you want to go the Austin Pendleton Nobel Prize um, war, it would be it would go to Gary the bartender played by Patrick Gallagher, who yes. I could never see anyone else in that role. I, that's that's perfect uh, casting. But if we're going to be serious and stick to the main cast, I think very obviously it's Paul Giamatti because it's impossible to think of anyone else except for Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Uh, so what's funny when I see Gary the bartender, I think two things. One, he had a very prominent role in Glee for at least in the first season. Um, he was the football coach. So, uh, so I always think of Glee when I see him. And two, I feel like uh, I feel like Gary the bartender is uh, also very uh, similar to Eric Stone Street and Almost Famous uh, as the concierge. <laughs> Elaine, your mother, she's a handful. She freaked me out. I, 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 those two roles kind of meshed together for me. So Wasn't when you say Gary no one else could have done it quite Nebraska? like that, I, like I think Gary and Cammy were both in Nebraska. That could be. Like I know I saw Gary in a movie like in the last couple of years, and I was like, "There's Gary no way has that's actually Gary." Gary has a lot of of credits to his name, and if I remember correctly, Paul Paul Giamatti and Tom Hayden Church talk about him quite a bit in the commentary. I don't think he was in Nebraska though. I'm looking at his. He was in downsizing. Okay. Can we talk about downsizing for a second? Because you just mentioned it. Go for it. So I have to mention this. I, I don't know if you guys feel similarly, but w- when people ask me what my the worst movie I've ever seen is, I usually now say downsizing, which we reviewed on the on this podcast a while ago. And I think it says something that someone so talented as Alexander Payne could make maybe the greatest movie ever made and arguably the worst movie ever made. Um, I think it takes talent to make truly awful movies. And Downsizing is uh, it's jaw-droppingly, astonishingly bad. So I, I, I think that's like almost a badge of respect to give him that he made the best movie and the worst movie. Well, I think to to make a truly horrible movie, you have to be striving for something, like these these crappy like spoof movies that aren't really even trying to do anything. Yeah, I mean, they're that's not that's not even worth talking about. But see, but I'd be yeah, willing to revisit right. downsizing. I haven't seen a single. I actually second would of it too since since the theater and. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I respect Alexander Payne enough to know that he was going for something. 
I would never want to deep dive it, but I just remember being just in total awe that the highs could get that high and the lows could get that low. Um, Alexander Payne is a great director. I mean, we haven't talked about him yet, but he's made several other good movies too, like Election, about Schmidt in Nebraska. But downsizing, downsizing is a, at a whole new level of awfulness. Um, and it's just inexplicable. But I, I just, I got to give him hats off for it in a way, you know? It's, it's, it's spectacular. It's a train wreck, but it's compulsively watchable how awful it is. Do you know Alexander Payne wrote Jurassic Park 3? I think I did read that somewhere. And wasn't he one of the writers on uh, I Now Pronounce It Chuck and Larry? He was, you're right, yeah. Can we also talk about how Alexander Payne hat, wore a Frass Canyon t-shirt when he was directing this movie? I love that. <laughs> uh, it's a joke. When in Rome, <laughs> when in Rome, you you uh, you wear a Frass Canyon T-shirt. All right. Well, getting back to uh, highest war, I'm going since. Well, I was going to go with Paul Giamatti, but that's already been taken. So I'll say I'll say Virginia Madsen, because um, again, Good that pick. was such a hard one to recast. Uh, she is so perfect. For that role in that she brings this this vibe of just comfort and um and 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 this this subtle sexiness that you don't get from the stephanie character um and and it it's it is the perfect you know the the perfect complement to miles in so many ways and and she like when she first walks onto the screen it's like yes that that is what miles needs she doesn't need a stephanie she doesn't need a, a cami or anything like that she needs that like he, he needs that and that's that and, and she just is the embodiment of that character in so many ways well said all right do we even dare say worst performance is there a worst performance todd uh yeah there are no bad performances but I went with DC Rogers as reciting eighth grader who is reading the book uh, that Miles <laughs> is listening to uh, just because it's really bad reading. And, but his uh, his only other credit on IMDb is he's one of the main writers on some uh, CW TV series that's going on right now. He, he had nothing between 2004 and like 2019. It's like this like TV show, which I think is interesting, but... I don't think he's that great, but apparently he's a, he could be a good writer. Who knows? You're gonna he watch it now, aren't you? Miles. You're gonna watch it now, aren't you? It's, it's on the CW. I really doubt I'll watch it, but you know, I was kind of intrigued. <laughs> I forget what it was called. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I I love how uh, Miles is as engaged as his students are in that class period. <laughs> like like he <laughs> he yeah. Zach, what do you got? I actually had three worst performances. Um, I went with um, Thomas Hayden Church as Jack, as Dr. Derek Summersby. Probably not a great performance. I guess, I don't know. We have to sort of speculate. I also went with um, the guy. There's a guy in the background at the wedding when uh, when everyone's walking out of the Armenian church who's wearing this like really outrageous, excessive, like blue tuxedo with pinstripes. And he just is really distracting in the 
two seconds that he's on frame. I thought that was bad acting. And then my third one was George W. Bush. Well, he doesn't do that much. Hitler is a little bit more Oh, prominent. that's true. <laughs> Hitler and George W. Bush. <laughs> and what James Lepp. He, he really should have hit that putt. Yeah. <laughs> he just yeah. leaves it hanging there right on the edge. Like, every time. I think it's going in, too. Speaking of that, shout out to Dustin Johnson winning the green jacket today. I watched way too much golf this weekend. Um, my my worst performance. Well, so going going into that, I think it's funny that on IMDb, in the uncredited section, it actually has uh, Adolf Hitler playing himself in archival footage, in the <laughs> credits on IMDb. <laughs> it doesn't have George W. Bush, but it has Adolf Hitler in in the uncredited archival footage section. I think that's pretty funny. Um, all right, my my uh, my worst performance is going to be the uh, waitress reading off the specials at the double date. Um, yeah, because uh, I mean, yeah, she she looks like she's just terrified that she's gonna mess it up reading out reading the script, and it's yeah. But I think they, that's the I, character, I, not not her performance. I, I, I kind of like that, actually. That's a pretty fancy restaurant, though. You would think that there you'd have a lot more engaging uh, my, ho- hostess reading off the specials. My guess is it was the actual waitress, and she was just scared because you actually had a camera in her face. That's, that's, my, that's my bet there. So, you know, Todd mentioned that, you know, we like to text each other back and forth random questions from this movie. This is one of the questions I would have asked him if it was just, just a normal time rewatching it. How much goddamn money was that dinner? That had to be an excessively expensive dinner. Like, I never noticed that. I, I guess I did. But, like, I mean, the, it's a four-course four meal with four different people. And how many goddamn wines did they go through? And, like, these are fancy freaking wines. I, that dinner had to be $1,000, right? Yeah, at least. That was another good question because Jack says, you know, call call the waiter when uh, when they're finishing it. I, I would assume Miles pays for it, but we don't we don't really know. Well, I think Miles, Miles only has uh, like he only has twelve hundred dollars. That's how many uh, hundreds he counts out uh, out of the Ajax bottle. Seriously, you counted them? <laughs> yeah. I almost counted. That's a for trivia, trivia question. Should have been a trivia question. <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think he could last the whole week if he was paying for that. It had to have been Jack, because Jack probably got drunk enough, too, that he was just like, yeah, hey, yeah, no, screw it, I'll pay for it. And then he they leaves had, his they wallet. Had to, I, I'm sure Jack had, like, I mean, he's get, he's going into a family that is loaded. I, I'm sure he had, like, a budget set aside for the for the bachelor. Well, that's bachelor also, trip. That's also yeah, something he, that He bought came... two boxes of wine from Collider. Yeah. How many he, bottles was in that shit? Like what? Like thirty? <laughs> and he also offers to pay for, uh, uh, you know, the going golfing with his new clubs. Like Loki, and this time watching it, Jack has a lot more money than I think we we would, you know, realize. Voice acting and commercials makes you a lot of money. <laughs> and marrying into a rich family that that makes you a lot of money. Yeah, too. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's really where it comes from. I mean, that's why it was special get order incestuous. wedding rings from <laughs> engraved in Sanskrit. I mean, come on now. <laughs> Brand new golf clubs given to him by his future father-in-law. He, he, he all this is coming from his, from his future in-laws, and he's using it to try and call off the wedding. 
<laughs> All right. Um, amazing Larry, Big Tim, High Roller, Minor Character of the Year Award. Todd? Uh, well, I mean, th- there's some answers that I could say. I'm going to... I'll go with Chris, who is the wine pourer that they go to first uh, at Sanford. Because he's got a really cool like uh, cowboy hat looking thing, and you know, I, I feel like I want to know more about that character. I feel like that is a perfect casting, and you know, he, you know, he he knows a lot about the wine. He, I feel like he actually got, had part in t- in making the wine, and uh, yeah, he poured he poured a good glass, and he indulged Miles when he was uh, you know teaching Jack how to actually drink the drink the wine out of the glass. But I, I like Chris. I I feel like he should he deserved at least one more scene. Yeah, and Chris is not very high on the war scale because he should have been played by Willie Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> naturally. Naturally, naturally. All right, Zach, favorite minor character? Well, obviously my favorite minor character is Gary the Bartender, who we've talked a little bit about <laughs> already. So I'm going to say actually someone else. I'm going to go with MC Ganey as Cammy's husband um, because, you know, the <laughs> rolls in at 5 a.m. when He's he was supposed to come in. truck. To... I'm an idiot. he also Um, wears a beanie when he's having sex that's interesting yeah i love that he doesn't even like put on any clothes i mean he just he just runs out there second time you know male nudity in in that in that scene in that neighborhood like someone alert the authorities um yeah he you know he's he's the avatar of my fantasy football team so i really you know obviously the most interesting character in the movie I wonder if he's ever had wine before. Do you think he's ever... Do you think he's a wine snob? He's probably, Those are he's two a, completely different questions. For sure. <laughs> I think he's a Bud Light drinker, but okay. PBR. Well, yeah. What I find interesting about this movie is even in the hotel bar... There is no liquor or beer. It is all wine. So are those like few cities? Like, do they not actually have anything but wine? It's really bizarre. I don't like know that Miles drinks any beer or liquor anymore. Oh, I, I don't think so. I don't think Miles is a beer drinker. I mean, it's kind of like Nicolas Cage in Leaving Las Vegas, how he doesn't eat. Miles only drinks wine. I, I don't think it would get too incestuous if he tried to drink something else. Did you ever... By the way, I noticed something this time. It's, uh, sorry, you can say your thought in just a second, but... Uh, this I'm sorry, this red tree wine is really starting to get to me. Um, did you notice that there is a wine glass on his desk at his school? I had never noticed that before. That was very interesting. <laughs> wow, I did, yeah, I've, not, I've not noticed that. I did not notice that. I think it's almost a goblet. Like, maybe that's what he told the principal, but we all know it's really a wine glass. <laughs> well, unless Terry is going to say Gary, I was going to talk more about Gary. Yeah, Talk go, go for Gary. it. Yes. Okay, well, Gary is one of the characters that Zach and I have talked about the most, I feel like, over the years. Like, we have mm-hmm. we have discussed everything about Gary. It, like, yes. he's obviously married. How many kids does he have? We were thinking probably three. He's yeah. got at least three kids. It's the number we settled but on. I don't, we're not he sure knows if he actually watches sports. Like, we could see a version of Gary where he watches sports, but at the same time, maybe not. And... Like, what does he do when he's not working? Because I I feel like he's there really late, and he's also there for, like, the the morning-afternoon brunch crowd that had the wine tour. Like, he's always at work. So what does he do when he's not at work? Yeah, I think I said welding and maybe chess. (laughs) 
But he, but he also could be like a big like Raiders fan. You could, I could see a version of that. But, I mean, but it's, I don't know. He does not care about sports. There's, there's, I, I like your original point. Of Gary that that likes sports. I don't. He doesn't. He just pours the wine. He doesn't know anything about it. He never says anything about the wine. He just. He just. Uh, he leaves in the bottle. I find it intriguing that he didn't know that Maya had classes on Tuesday night. He just knows that she's not there, which means that he's not very close to Maya. And yeah. Yeah, maybe true. he doesn't like maybe he doesn't like Maya. He seemed a little bit resentful that she wasn't there. He's like, Maya? I think we talked no. about that before too, that the, they might have hooked up at some point. Yeah, and I could kind of see it. That was a mistake. Gary's a complicated character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've has spent hundreds of text threads about Gary over the years. Uh, all right. <laughs> That, 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 that's great. See, I still I still can't see Gary now without seeing Kentanaka from uh, Glee, who's just this, like, weird, inept high school football coach. Also, you know, he, say he doesn't Captain like... Marvel. It, that was what I was thinking of that we saw him in recently. He was like a... He's in Captain Marvel? He was like a security advisor or something. And what's kind of interesting about the Gary-Maya relationship is basically Miles blames Gary... He says, well, Gary at the restaurant, we told him that you were getting married on Saturday. Yeah, he throw, so totally he throws him under the bus. Throws Gary like under the, the bus, exactly. The <laughs> Very unflattering thing for Miles to do. One of his lowest moments. I think it's arguably even lower than stealing the money from his mom in the Ajax can. Or, yeah. well, I don't know, his drive. And he gets away on, with it. His and he drive gets away on, the, with it too. on the first hole or whatever, like that, that's pretty, that's got to be a low moment. <laughs> I don't even know how that's possible. That went up and right. Like, it could not have gone further than 10 feet, but it went straight right, like, probably 30 yards. Like, that is impressive. That, that was his lowest moment. And yet he has the skill to uh, to hit a low yeah. burner that hits the golf cart. Which apparently yeah. was Rex Pickett, the author of the book, that actually hit the ball, because he knew that Miles was too Charles Barkley-ish in his swing, that he could never actually <laughs> hit straight enough to make it look like it could go that way. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Can we also talk about Miles' short khaki shorts for a second? Like, we're, no one's ever going to say this movie should have won Best Costumes, but those khaki shorts are so perfect. And now whenever I see, you know, middle-aged white dudes wearing them, I think, oh, Miles shorts. And I, I own several myself, actually. Yeah, they're like man capris, sort of like, uh, I don't know, uh, Grandpa Plucknet wears those. And, um, yeah, he does. <laughs> and I, I feel like you already said that, uh, like the costumes aren't that great because of that one guy who's wearing a pinstripe tux. Apparently, at the wedding. <laughs> I think that was that was the extras' fault, not not so much the costume designer. But okay. Well, but I also remember uh, on the uh, on the commentary that Miles says that his tux looks like he he reminds himself of Topol in a Fiddler. On <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's after when he's at the when he's at the McDonald's drinking the sixty-one yeah. Cheval Blanc. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, top five commentary track of all time, THC and Giamatti, absolutely rock that commentary track. Like, there is an absolute chemistry between them that is not uh, not too unsimilar to Jack and Miles. They should be hosting a podcast. That They have impeccable chemistry. You can tell they genuinely like each other. They have great, like, references. They are, that is something that should happen. I agree. <laughs> That'd be pretty great. All right. Uh, 
So my minor character. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Oh, uh, this is why we're doing it. Uh, my minor character. I'm going with Miles's mom. Mm. Um, it, it's just a, it's, it's it's just such a great character. And all right, watching it this time, I realized just how sad that scene is. Mm-hmm. Um, it is such a sad scene. All right, it is her birthday. She is. 70 home something. alone it, yeah 70 something she's home alone in her house clothes but and 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 on her birthday not expecting anybody obviously oh was it the day before i guess the next day was her birthday is that was that the idea yeah that's why she was having wendy come and everybody. but wendy the only Ron reason the wendy was coming the only reason wendy was coming is because she called and said miles is here like otherwise there was going to be nothing for her birthday but you talk to Wendy. It's like, yeah, I talked to my family for my birthday, and yeah, they're gonna be over just because you're here. And so like, you weren't gonna have any. She wasn't gonna have anything for her birthday. But Miles happened to show up, so they actually figured something out. I don't know. It just felt, just felt so sad. She she just feels like such a sad character. She got to see Derek Summers beat. <laughs> I'm not even dressed. <laughs> It is a little odd that she lives in such relative squalor when she was married at one point to the commissioner of Major League Baseball. That's an yeah, error in this movie. But I also want to say, watching it this time, do you guys think that she's an alcoholic? Like, she's got she's got some, like, whiskey, like, you know, on the rocks when that she's drinking when they come in. Or is she just that, like, loopy? Is well, it alcoholism had, or had, Alzheimer's? Like, that gallon of like shitty, really red wine that was on the table when they were eating outside. I don't. I. I don't think she has any money. She, I don't know. If she has any money to be an alcoholic. I mean, she. She is related to Miles, though. So. And that that Ajax container did have quite a few hundos in it. Yeah. I don't know. Who's, whose room was that? Was that her room, do you think? Or was that, like, Miles' former room? Or, like... Because that's a pretty big house for just one lady to be living in. That was her room. That was her room. Can, uh, Terry, have we ever asked you the question about spray and wash? We need to bring this nope. up. What, oh, what, yeah. This, this what is, so this was a huge debate in Vegas that we had. What is spray and wash in your mind? Because Todd thinks it's one thing. I think it's something very different. Okay, you're going to have to remind me when spray and wash comes up. So it's like it's it's what uh, 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 Miles's mom says that uh, you know oh, Jack was yeah, in yeah, that yeah. thing with the girl. The girl was very good looking, not surprisingly. She was something. <laughs> she was something. What yeah. what is spray and wash? Um, I I uh, let's see here. I don't know. <laughs> Be, be be basic then. Basically, basic, what do you think I'm, it is? I, I'm gonna go with like a like like a car cleaner. Yeah. So it's a product. Yeah, yeah it's a product. Well, Todd, think, Todd thinks it's a movie. I thought I always thought it was a movie. Yeah, like because she says. Um, she says, I remember you in spray and wash, you know, and he, he, all he was doing was, you know, I just remember you running, and the, he re- remembers a girl that was in it with him. I thought I, it was like a commercial for something. Yeah, it's, it's like I an infomercial. I thought it was like a, 
like Wet Hot American Summer or something like that. Like I thought it was like a, a like a terrible comedy that he made like eleven years ago. Direct to uh, DVD. I always yeah. felt like Spray and Wash was like the next product that was going to be touted by the ShamWow guy. <laughs> okay, well maybe, maybe I've always been wrong about that then because but I I always thought it was a movie. Yeah, you're you're wrong about that, Todd. But but that's okay. I, it was an amusing it was an amusing take that was very wrong. It 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 was your your worst take ever about this movie until you said Jack Black as as Miles. But oh, that's okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, do do we do we even need to uh, biggest stick man? Do we even need to say it? Oh, there... I have a I, I I yes, I think so. Okay. I have well, a, I, I'm saying it's too. Jack. But go, 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 go ahead. My low-key biggest sick man is Miles. Miles is the only one who who has uh, sexual liaisons with at least three women in this movie. Jack only has, you know, two sexual liaisons. And this gets to a bigger three. theory with the... Wait, well, wait, wait. Miles, Chris, Miles only has one... Or he has two... Well, he has one affair. Yeah, with Brenda and Victoria and Maya. Yeah, so what... Christine, Cammy, and... Oh, okay. Oh, I guess they're tied. And, well, and Stephanie, and and the girl from Spray and Wash. She no, wait, was that, something. That that was never confirmed. That was only. Uh, and that, prob- that, what what I mean, it's it's what, Jack. When she about, says, when he's, "What about yeah. the what about the child waitress that uh, at the at the first place that they yeah. eat at?" Yeah, too early in the morning for that. That's a <laughs> line that takes on a lot of meaning. But um, no, what I was going to say about <laughs> what I was going to say about Miles is. Like, okay, maybe he's not a bigger stick man than Jack, but I do want to say that, like, one of the things that was interesting about this movie is just how many people like Miles. Like, Evelyn loves Miles. Jennifer, Evelyn's secretary, loves Miles. Christine's parents love Miles. Steph, Steph's mom, loves Miles. And I'm not necessarily saying that makes him a great stick man, but I am saying that he has a kind of appeal that lots of people like. Um, Chris obviously likes Miles. Gary obviously likes Miles. He's an incredibly likable, affable human being. And I feel like that would translate to women if he could just, you know, up his game a little bit. I don't understand yes, why I'm sure, that is. I'm sure cause... affable is, is exactly the, co- the, the quality we're looking for in a stick man. <laughs> See, th- this time watching it, the, the line that stuck out to me was when they were about to walk into dinner, uh, Jack says, you know, uh, be the guy before the tailspin. People love that guy, the guy you were in college. And, like, that, I, I, I can't imagine, like, I don't know what it, what, what was it that changed him. Like, it, it, was, I don't, it wasn't the thing with victoria because i think that the tailspin probably happened after that or no the tailspin probably happened and that's why victoria broke up with him and that's why he had an affair with brenda i don't know i like i I can't imagine what miles looked like before but i don't understand how miles is that popular now being the way that he is because he has to have xanax with him all the time and he's drunk all the time i don't i can't imagine who wants to be around that it's it's real it's a real he's a such i don't know he's the most fascinating character in movies to me can we ask Terry the other dis- disagreement that we have, Todd, about this movie? Go for it. it and that involves Brenda. So uh, d- d- my question to you, Terry, is do you think that um, Victoria knew about Brenda? Like, was that a thing? Um, and who is Brenda? Like, yeah, who? that's another good question. <laughs> That, 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 uh, I'm gonna say uh, 
It can't be a one night stand. It has to be someone he knew before. Um, yeah, that we agree. Brenda, I'm gonna say Brenda was someone was a uh, a bartender at his, one of his favorite wineries. I don't think they're called bartenders. Well, whatever, <laughs> sommelier, whatever you want to say. Someone that was he met oh. he met her at at a at a, a wine pour chick. Yeah, wine <laughs> like that. Or, yeah. or 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 it could be just some someone random. All right, all right. Here here we go. Here you go. Um, I'm gonna say that Brenda was. Uh, first off, I'm gonna say that Miles told Victoria about Brenda, and that's how she found out. Ah, uh, you're wrong. That, that's what I think. Wrong. I, th- I think she she told or he told her, and I think Brenda was uh, like a 19 year old former student. Oh, whoa! Too early in the morning for that, man. That's what I'm going with. Interesting. Because it's got to be, it's got to be some. It it can't be someone like you. You get the the way it's brought up. I I disagree the about the one night stand thing. The way it's brought up is it is it feels like something that was out of the ordinary, out of character for him, and so it was just some something where it was like a. But he says he yeah, had I an could, affair. I could, he didn't say that he slept with her once. Like, like I mean, that that yeah. like you would say like hooked up or something. You didn't even say so. had an affair. I'm I'm sticking to it though. I think it might something be like different shrink. than what he had. <laughs> Ooh, that he helped but fix did... their computer. No, no, that's his current one. Which also <laughs> kind of. I don't know. That that also brought up a, a thought in my head where it's like he actually knows how to use computers that well. I don't know. I, I feel like that that doesn't. He doesn't really own a cell phone. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have a cell phone. I I don't know. That doesn't fit. Not very tech like, savvy. Knowing how to knowing how to use a computer. And yeah, I feel I like think, he, probably, I don't feel like he would have written to write uh, the day after yesterday. That's what I was gonna say. He probably <laughs> a, a Palaxa Galactic Deluxe or whatever it's called. That's what he used. <laughs> He, he, he idolized Lester Bangs. <laughs> he's never heard of this thing called online porn because he still gets the most recent editions of Barely Legal uh, in print. Anyway, what I, what I was going to say, Terry, Miles is, I is a grown-up William Miller. I don't think, I don't think uh, I Victoria knows about, about Brenda. I was thinking about Michael Angarano, but he was too young. <laughs> I, I honestly was. Patrick Fugit? Maybe, but Michael yeah, Angarano was better. Yeah. All right. Sorry, Zach. Go ahead. Oh, that's okay. I was just going to say, I've always felt that Brenda is something that Victoria doesn't know about, but maybe that's just because uh, Miles basically says, shut your mouth when uh, Jack brings it up, as if no one knows about it except for Jack. I I just took that as how embarrassed he was about it, and he just wants to forget that it never happened. Yeah. Possibly. Like, we don't talk about that. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Todd, who do you have as stick man? Well, the only other answers are Cammy and Stephanie. Probably Stephanie, though. Well, I don't think... Yeah. The, I, I think it's Jack, Cammy, and Stephanie are the only answers you could possibly come up with. I, I don't think Miles is a good answer at all. <laughs> yeah, Jack, I, I, I say Jack is, like, actively seeking the title. And so <laughs> that... That alone, uh, well, and, and the fact that he is me somewhat and one successful. For you. I mean, that I mean that's as <laughs> stick man of a move as you get. <laughs> and that's why he has to bang Cammy in the ass because he didn't have any more. <laughs> he that's wasted his last one hiking with with Stephanie. 
<laughs> Can I also tell you like a really underrated funny line that I yes. noticed this time? Um, it was the like like we always talk about the underrated funny line um, being like Jack says, "Is this chicken?" That he asks Mrs. Raymond. But I I submit that there's actually a funnier underrated line, which is in the scene with two tickets to paradise in the background, Eddie Money. And it's um, when uh, Miles asks Jack, well, where's Stephanie? And he says, she's upstairs cleaning up. Why, why I don't know. That that's, funny? That, like that's, that... that's funny. She's cleaning up. They made such a mess in the, in the motel room. Okay, maybe that wasn't funny. I, I laughed out loud this time at that, at that line. <laughs> uh... Cleaning up maybe the bedspread or whatever. I think they made a pretty big mess in there. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, biggest douchebag. The Swan Mike Oliphant Award. Zach? Uh, I have three candidates. Um, I went with, number one, I went with Keith Erzman at Conundrum because he had, he had the audacity to actually look oh. at uh, the day after yesterday and then pass it then reject it, which is a pretty douche move. He also, you know, made Miles wait several days before his answer. I also went with uh, Steph's dad because he's such a piece of shit. But I think my ultimate biggest douchebag is Rex Pickett because if you ever actually listen to an interview... Yeah, chicken shit, excuse me. If you ever actually listen to an interview with Rex Pickett, I mean, the man is very full of himself. Um, He thinks that he's the reason why Sideways was so successful and the reason why Pino sold so well and why everyone went to the Santa Inez Valley and Buellton. And um, yeah, he's he's kind of a douchebag. Just just listen to an interview. You'll see what I mean. Just read the book and you'll see that it's probably true. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and Todd, you've read the sequels and you've said like, Vertical especially was like written to become the sequel to the movie, right? Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, it never came, and which I'm kind of glad, but it also was way too long after. They would have been too too old to play those roles, and you can't obviously like we can't recast the movie, so it it, it goes yeah. like they go to Barcelona, obviously they go to Chile in the third one. Uh, there's a lot of differences in the book. Like, Maya shows up at the reception and that Miles goes to at the end of the movie and uh, says that she sees him in a different light after reading the book, after reading his book and stuff like that. I don't know. The, the book is amazing and in a different way, but the movie, is, yeah, I, I like that it is. It's one contained unit and uh, it, it wouldn't get tarnished by a sequel or anything, even though I would have loved to see it anyway. All right. Can I say worst line in the movie? The Day After Yesterday is a horrible title that Miles would have never come up with for his book. I think the line, her saying, you mean today, is an even weirder line because that's not, yeah. that is not in character at all, I feel like. No, so that one... feel, it feels like a slapstick line. It's like, that. that's not, the, there is no, at no point in this movie is there wordplay except for that moment. Yeah. And, I, and, and he doesn't, and the thing is, and the reason why, the reason why is he made it up on the spot. Like there is no title to the book yet. Cause he even says that at one point, right? When it's like your book's getting published, he goes, Oh really? What's it called? Right. And so well, then he, when... I think he says that as, as a way of saying like, if they were to try to research like my book, how would they research a book that's being published? That isn't being published. You can't give them a title of something that's not being published. You know? See, I took that as 
I haven't even given it a title yet. How could it possibly be getting published? And so he has to make one up, and he comes up with that crappy answer. That leads to just that corny dialogue. That's what I thought. I agree 100% with Todd, Terry. Terry, that's a weird thought. Uh, that's that's what I was going with there. Like he, that wasn't he an said, Ebert in his review thought it was a perfect title for his book because it's the title that an alcoholic would come up with the day after yesterday. That's like the 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 day to day experience of every alcoholic. Okay. Fine, fine. Todd, who's your douchebag? Uh, I also had three answers. Uh, <laughs> none of them were the ones that that. Uh, Zach, should I say all of them, or should I leave Terry something if he doesn't have the same ones? Well, how about I just go first? Okay, go. <laughs> I've got one, and it's Jack. Jack's the biggest douchebag. Yes, very good yeah. answer. I mean, yeah. that, that's uh, he's... Well, the most douchebag line that he has in the movie is when he's when, when Miles asks what I should wear, and he says, so, I don't know, something nice but casual. They think you're a writer. Not, you're a writer. <laughs> <laughs> they think that you're a writer. Like that is the most demeaning thing that Zach, that Just Jack, the part, man. Jack does in the entire movie. Like shit. <laughs> yeah. All right. And now do you have go any ahead. Other was shoes? that what? Like what? Uh, even... Apparently, there's a deleted scene where they go shoe shopping. And yeah, that's why but he, he has they go to like champ sports or something and buy like <laughs> sneakers. White sneakers. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, the other well, ones. Was that are... one of your three? Yeah, that was one of them. The other ones are Phil Reeves as vacationing Dr. Walt Hendricks, who, uh, after Jack says, you know, don't you want to feel that warm, cozy box grip down on your Johnson? And he's like, mind keeping it down, buddy? Like, that guy just looks like a douchebag, and that's a really dumb thing to say. The other one... By the way, I love that he is that he is credited as vacationing Dr. Walt Hendricks. Like, that is the only moment he has in the entire movie, just that random little line there, and he has a full, like, oh, title... Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. I I noticed that too. That's awesome. The other one is Rob Trow as obnoxious golfer because he hits into him, and who who yeah. does that? Only douchebags would actually hit into somebody who's taking too long on the golf course. I agree. All right, best scene. What's the best scene in this movie, Todd? Oh, I have some options. I am going to say the scene where they are first leaving on their trip because it just is, uh, it, it starts out with such awesome, you know, like, bye, bye, where the f*** were you, man? I was dying in there. And he's like, I, there were, I, they, no, you're f***ing hung over and you know it. You know, like, th- that that whole <laughs> sequence is awesome. He busts out the, 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 the wine, champagne, whatever it is that they're, that they're drinking that, that's a 92 Byron, all right? It's really rare. Jack, half of it, gone. You know, like, oh, that, that is a that is a, it, just a brilliant scene. And, like, everything you need to know about Jack is shown in that. And everything you need to know about Miles is, and his neuroticness is, is shown in that scene. I love that scene. It's, it's, one, it's one of my favorite. Well, one of my favorites. I, I mean, I have other favorites, but that, that that's one that I, I would never turn that scene off under any circumstances. That's a good one. That's a good one. Zach, how about you? All right, I'm just going to go for the low-hanging fruit here. The fruit, of course, being a grape. And that is the scene when, uh, of course, uh, Miles talks about why Pinot is so great. And Maya talks Mm. about how she got into wine. 
I open a bottle. I love how every time I open a bottle, it's going to taste different than if it op- I had opened it on any different any other day because a bottle of wine is actually alive. Uh, I'm just going to say it right now. Best scene in movie history. Find find a better scene than that. That that is exquisite, perfect filmmaking. And yeah, I would never that, argue yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Yeah, it just who who knew that wine was a gateway into someone's soul, and it, that that scene encapsulates well, that. And that would have never come out of Maya unless she had just heard like Maya or Miles uh, describing Pino as being the essence of himself, and she just found that so sexy. Like I, I don't love that, and she's just like, okay, I could go there too. I, I also like Rieslings. Rieslings? Riesling. <laughs> There's a bathroom in the back? <laughs> okay. Uh, right past the buffalo. Um, my my best... I'm going to go... Um, I, I love the golfing scene. It And uh, just... One, how bad Miles is. And two, how just horrible Jack is on the golf course, too. Like of all the of everything that Jack does, like the one moment that Miles literally just snaps at him is when he won't shut up while he's trying to take his swing, right? Like like he's taking is it taking his swing? He's like, shut up, shut up, shut up. Will you just shut up? Well, that's, that, like, that's, that's a, also a relatable scene because Terry, you've done that to me too. If someone's talking and trying to tell you how to swing while you're swinging, you want to hit them with the club. <laughs> not while not while you're swinging though or or taking the practice swings across from him so you can talk to him i mean jack was in real danger there (laughs) i I mean jack was in real danger there with the way miles hit that drive so um no i I just every that that scene is just so much fun and maybe it's just because it's a golf course and i can relate to it so i love that scene all right Flaws, outdated conspiracy theories. Go for it, Terry. I think it's I, th- I think it's held up very well. Nothing outdated. One flaw I saw. Okay, the um. The diner scene, the first morning, that they're in wine country, where where Jack reveals his plan of wanting to get laid one last time before he gets married. Um, I'm pretty sure that was a reshoot. Because, and I noticed it for the first time here, that is the one, uh, the one scene where Jack has a different hairstyle in the entire movie. Like, if you, if you look at it, Jack, Jack's hair is, like, in every other scene, it's kind of got this part thing going on. Well, it looked like he that just is, like, woke all up. Short. Like, I feel like the, he drew, he was hungover and they drew, he dragged him to breakfast or something. But every other scene, even if it's, like, first thing in the morning, like, when he dragged him out of bed at, from his mother's house and they went to a diner there it looked like it did the rest of the movie. It was, and so, it, it, it looked like he got had gotten a haircut for that one scene. It was a reshoot. That's what I'm going with. I love the way he wakes up. I think that's incredible acting, and we've talked about that before. I know we have. Because, <laughs> I, know, I know you know that there have been several days in your life where you've woken up like that, in an unmade bed, in a strange location, very hungover. I know I have. <laughs> Yeah, he wakes up flat uh, on Miles' mom's bed, you know, <laughs> face down, and he looks just like the, that same way, I feel like. 
Anyways, that's about all I had. I just wanted to mention that. All right. Well, I have one that goes kind of with that scene. Uh, when they have breakfast at that Solvang restaurant, um, it has a windmill on the table. So it's trying to make you think they're still around the mot- the windmill uh, motel. But Solvang, as we know, is five clicks away from where they are. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's a continuity error or like or what that is. It's kind of weird, though. Um, another thing I, I thought of this time is why does he have to rush into his house to look at the microwave to know what time it is? He was just in his car. What kind of car does not have a clock? <laughs> I never had thought about that before. This is a good point. Um, uh, unless he didn't realize that he had to worry about well, the maybe, time until after he got out of the car. I mean, the speedometer doesn't work in the car. Why would the clock? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's why the speedometer is a zero. Um, I mean, the, a car like that, I wouldn't surprise me. Um, does that car kind of remind you of Titus, Zach? Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Some fond memories. <laughs> I want. I also want to know why doesn't Miles know who Stephanie is because he clear she clearly like knows her shit and he knows everything about all the wineries in the area and all the people. He even has drinks with the employees uh, when he goes into the area. Why does he not know who she is? She he knows who Chris is. He knows who everybody is at all the wineries he goes to. But why does he know who Stephanie is? Somebody who actually knows somebody that he knows uh, that works at the windmill. Or not the windmill at uh, at the hitching post. I felt like that was way too convenient too. That Stephanie and Maya were already like best buds, just offhand. Yeah, but the movie the, the movie buds. has like to move. Me. The movie has to move on though. We have we have to move to the next scene. So I get that it's a little contrived, but in the you know we have to we have to get to Miles that scene at the restaurant. Have any recollection of Stephanie? She clearly has been there a long time. We know that because her mother says you know how long they've been there, and if they would have bought into the you know where they built the Home Depot, you know like they've obviously been there a long time. She knows her shit. She's she's worked there a long time. I don't know. I I think that's a little weird. I also know I Zach and I have talked about uh, how often Miles actually does go to wine country because he lives like what four or five hours away and he has drinks with the employees like that. That's the I mean, that is a lot of commitment that he would have to take like entire weekends. But he I mean, does he just like spend the summers there or something? And I I also want to know how like what kind of restaurant does Ken own? Like, is it like a a fast food chain franchise thing or is it like a hole in the wall thing like a one a one kind of thing like because he, he the the guy with the restaurant is, is how he's described like i've always pictured him as him like owning like a denny's or something like that but does, does he have like his own restaurant he doesn't seem like i'm gonna say of... it's an italian restaurant why <laughs> i don't know i don't know because they would ser- they would serve wine there and victoria's still very into wine and that would be no, she's how not she just stopped she's drinking pregnant. oh she stopped well she stopped drinking because she's pregnant i don't know that's all i have I those know. are just unanswerable questions that zach and i have uh, tossed back at each other over the years all right zach what do you got those okay whatever those some of those questions weren't great todd um i was gonna say that <laughs> we um, talked about it before <laughs> okay i can actually believe that um so uh why does miles send jack drafts of his book like 
I mean, does he actually he has have... no other friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, is he going to give him to another teacher? I, w- I really doubt that. I guess that's true. I think it it does kind of low-key show that Jack has, res- or Miles has respect for Jack's intelligence, which uh, is always kind of shocking that Jack knew that the author of A con- Confederacy of Dunces outed himself, or, or committed suicide. I've, I've, I've always found that an impressive You're looking moment. for offed himself. <clears throat> offed uh, himself, yeah. Not uh, outed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what I love about Jack is that he actually is curious to, like, know more things. Like, when uh, Miles uses the word abattoir, he's like, he's like, huh. That's an interest. That's interesting. I didn't know that word before. Like I'm, I'm taking note of that. Like Jack actually does have. Like you could see that he actually went to college and actually has some ambition to be smarter than just a dumb actor that he acts like he is all the time. I'm, I'm gonna say Jack is the kind of guy who would have a daily like word of the day calendar sitting on his desk at home. I don't think he has a desk. Like I said, I think his, I think his house is empty. <laughs> He probably has, like, a tanning bed and a couch. <laughs> well, he's, I mean, in that respect, another reason he's like Donald, Kauf, uh, Donald Kaufman, Charlie's brother. I mean, Donald Kaufman also aspired to be a screenwriter and aspired to learn, you know, the craft of screenwriting, like, you know, horse versus car. Um, I was, okay, another question that we've brought up before Todd, Todd and I have, and maybe you can answer this, Terry. What month does this movie take place? Hmm. April. For, see, for me, it was very obvious this time that it took place in September, mm. because there's that football. There's football on the TV, and at the end of the at the end of the movie, of course, oh, right. Maya says it's getting colder here and it's raining. But yeah, we don't September know how long makes sense. in the future that is. That's true, because it is a 750 plus page book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is just insane. I mean, that's just... That was another one of my low-key favorite moments was the when he brings out the second box of pages to give her. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, Great man. Great moment. <laughs> like, how does she know where to start? I, 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 if, if you really didn't have a title for it, then there'd be no way to know where to start to read out of like, two pages well, or two boxes of... <laughs> And that brings up maybe the final question, which is, is the whole last scene in this movie a fantasy? You know, I mean, did Maya ever actually call Miles? Did he ever actually drive up? Did he ever actually knock on her door? To me, it's a very similar ending to Taxi Driver, which is a comparison I've made to Todd many times. Like, are we really supposed to take this meaning literally or this ending literally? But, um, you know, that's a testament to Jim Taylor. You said that that they lived happily ever after and there's no other reason to watch the movie other than to think that at the end of the movie like i remember you saying those exact words to me oh well maybe i did but i don't know if i feel that way now i mean i i think that ending is very ambiguous i absolutely could be a, 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 a fragment of his imagination well and the adaptation of the book was because the the book ends on a way more happy note and that's not life and that's why alexander payne and jim taylor did it the way they did it because it, it seems more real and seems more consistent with what Miles develops throughout the movie for him to end the way he did. To have his special occasion be with himself, the only person that he actually can be with, or whatever, you know? Like, I, I've always, I, I don't know. I've always thought, I've always thought that it actually probably does end with him going to Maya's place, but I don't know if she's actually there. Yeah, the, yeah, THC and uh, Giamatti joke about that. <laughs> they say that it's like an 85-year-old woman living there now. 
Terry? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I, I didn't have anything to add. I was just... I, I was just enjoying listening to you guys talk about it. You know, we're, we're verging on going longer... This podcast going longer than the length of the movie. Is Is there ever been a movie that is a faster two hours and ten minutes? That's a great question. I don't know. Pulp Fiction, but that's even longer. But it, yeah, <laughs> I feel like that still is like an hour and a half long movie. It is. It is a very fast movie. It goes by. It goes by quick. Because it starts. Right. It starts so fast. Like you are already in the car, but you're like thirty minutes in. But you feel like the movie just started. You're already like you're already like on the way to like the the meat of the movie. Like there, there's nothing like this movie. It's it's a perfect movie. All right, well let's uh let's start to wrap this up. LVP, MVP, Todd, you're first. Uh, I, I my LVP is hard. I I went with Phyllis because her cooking skills are obviously not great. Jack actually has to ask if it's chicken or not, and her relationship advice is also really bad because uh he's he she insists that he needs to get back together with Victoria. That is the worst idea that anybody has in the whole movie. <laughs> Even worse than Jack's, like, worst, like, worst moments. Uh, yeah, Phyllis is... She was good for you. And plus, she's already, she's remarried, so that makes it even worse. So Phyllis, I guess, will go with Miami, or LVP. Hold on, re- re- really quick. Something I read that, e- that even adds to that. Apparently, um, after that night of shooting the that dinner scene, all three of them had food poisoning from the food. Exactly, her her cooking skills <laughs> not 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 great, and plus her choice of wine too. That that big old bottle. I've seen that that big old gallon jug of wine. I've seen that at like QFC. It's I mean it's like five dollars. <laughs> not great. Um, but my MVP, I went with John Jackson, who is the casting director, because of all the reasons we said it's it's the best cast of a movie, maybe of all time. Maybe at least top three. So, John Jackson's the MVP. All right. Zach? I had several LVPs. Um, I went with uh, golf, crossword puzzles, Miles' shoes, uh, Rieslings, Why Johnny Rieslings? Depp. Because he brings up he brings up Rieslings and, you know, it ruins the mood. Like but it completely destroyed the mood. He destroyed the mood. It wasn't the re- Rieslings are great. He used Rieslings to destroy the mood. Whatever. He also it's used still... like uh, Gary to you know <laughs> cover up his problems. Um, I also went with Johnny Depp for getting a nomination ahead of Paul Giamatti. I went with Terry because he liked the movie that Johnny Depp was in, and I would bet that it was in the six spots ahead of Sideways. Yeah. And I think it's my number one of that year. Yeah, and my last one was last month's edition of Barely Legal. <clears throat> I bet there was some good stuff in that. But Jack even reads the new one. He's like, he's like, I, that's the first time that Jack's actually by himself not doing shit, but he's just like waiting for Miles to get back. I love that scene too. Well, All right, love MVP. You. MVP, oh, Zach. sorry. My MVP is Rolfie Kent because I don't know if his name is actually Rolfie. I like that Todd calls him Rolfie. I think it's Rolf, but I just call him Rolfie because Todd calls be him Rolfie. Because there's no Y at the end. It's just a. It's just an E. But I was gonna say that on my phone, um, 
the fr- you know my phone is kind of messed up i need to get a new phone and so on my itunes the first song that comes on i can never turn it on to shuffle unless i manually do it the first song that comes on is called abandoning the wedding from sideways by rolfie kent and so whenever i turn on my itunes it's the first song that it goes to and i'm like I can't not listen to this. It's a great song. So I literally listen to Abandoning the Wedding Every Day by Rolfie Kent. That's amazing. That's amazing. All right. Uh, my LVP is a Conundrum. Yes. I mean, that that's that, I'm pretty obvious. And if they, if they just would have taken care of everything, it would have been fine. Uh, and MVP, I'm going to go Alexander Payne. I mean, it, it's... He he made it. He made this. Took this and made it into a masterpiece with all the pieces involved. And uh, yeah, just awesome. All right. Quote of the day, as if we haven't quoted enough. <laughs> Todd, you're first. Uh, so my quote uh, comes from. It's a review of the movie from a anonymous reviewer on the Netflix DVD app. Um, <laughs> It's a negative review. He says, I disliked both characters intensely. They really, there really is no story at all. The gratuitous XX rated scenes are in very poor taste, putting a veneer of cheapness to this already juvenile garbage. I suppose that so many people have discovered the joys of learning all about the wine at the time this boring atrocity was made. They sucked, or they got sucked into enduring endless adolescent antics of these two losers. I would have gotten my first laugh if their car had driven off a cliff. <laughs> so, I think we can uh, all join in saying F- you" to whoever wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that. That's someone. I mean, yeah. That's what makes it believable is how juvenile they are. Because <laughs> yeah. that's real life. That's hilarious great quote todd that might be your best quote ever thank you zach what do you got i love that you went on the netflix like user reviews page i mean that's that's dedication right there um (laughs) so my quote also comes from a movie review of it interestingly enough and that is by roger ebert and i also think that ebert's review of sideways was the best review he ever wrote uh it's a perfectly written review i think if roger was still alive today he would take off the tree of life as one of his top 10 movies of all time and put sideways because i think he lived miles's life because of course ebert was an alcoholic for a long time anyway the last sentence of his review um is perfect he says the characters are played not by the first actors you would think of casting but by actors who will prevent you from ever being able to imagine anyone else in their roles Woo! That is that sums up the movie perfectly. I feel yep. like you quoted that like a month ago. <laughs> I'm not even rem- I don't remember what it was about, but I'm pretty sure you said that's a good way to describe like sideways. <laughs> it is. I know, but I don't remember what the movie was that you were talking about. It was probably not Three Billboards. Probably not. Probably not. Might have been Uncut Gems. It wasn't because he was now he was. Or Holy there. Motors. <laughs> <laughs> Terry. I don't know those talking. I don't know if those talking limos could have been played by anybody else. Um, all right, uh, my quote comes from the movie, uh, and it is a quote which surprisingly hasn't been said yet. However, it is um, it is said on every episode of the Almost Sideways podcast because it is the closing remarks of our podcast every time. And one of the reasons I want to say it is because 
the quote that we use for the closing of our podcast every time is a misquote, which I realized yeah, I this time just, watching just it. Like yeah, a couple of miswords. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. But I think it, it it's the best way to describe everything we do in the last 100 episodes of this podcast that we've had. And it's, despite your crass behavior, I'm glad we were able to spend this time together. And I it, that's, uh, going back to what I said at the beginning, that's exactly how I feel whenever we get to get a chance to do this. And, uh, yeah. So thank you for 100 episodes. Here's to 100 episodes more. Don't ever drink fucking <laughs> Merlot. <laughs> Unless it's mixed right, into the 61 Cheval Blanc. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, that's the that's episode 100 of the Almost Sideways podcast. We'll be back at you next week with another episode where we'll be talking something about movies. I don't know. We'll figure it out and let you know before we do it. Uh, until then, uh, have fun watching movies, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Despite your crass behavior, I'm glad we were able to do this together.